Hello, y'all, and welcome back to your favorite Colorado high school football podcast, The Playmaker's Corner. Here on episode 60, we are going to be analyzing 4A football and giving you all the predictions, previews, and analysis that you need to make your decision. And we're going to give you our decision on who's going to come out on top in the 4A division. I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm the other one, Coach V. Yep. And so, per usual, we are going to start off with a recap of last year, just to kind of understand where the teams are and recap some of the teams that we aren't going to talk about first. So, in the 2020 4A football playoffs, you had Dakota Ridge High School as the number one seed, Palmer Ridge High School as the number two seed, Ponderosa as the number three seed, Loveland as the number four, Broomfield as number five, Fountain Fort Carson as number six, Pine Creek as number seven, and Montrose High School as the eighth seed. We start off this bracket with Dakota Ridge dropping 76 points on Montrose, uh, which, you know, uh, there's a reason that we'll talk about Montrose sooner than Dakota Ridge because we don't really see that as a contending uh, point to build off of. But anyways, that was the opening round. So Dakota Ridge was in the semifinals waiting for Loveland, who beat Broomfield 28-7. to And then on the bottom half of the bracket, Palmer Ridge put a whooping on Pine Creek 32-7 to to move to the semifinals. And Fountain Fort Carson just squeaked by Ponderosa with a 41-38 to electrifying game honestly uh, i actually remember hearing about this when it when it first happened just being a very back and forth game so in the semifinals you had dakota ridge and loveland on one side and then palmer ridge and fountain fort carson on the other now palmer ridge didn't dominate in the same fashion that they did against pine creek and fort carson put up a good fight but palmer ridge won and route to their championship appearance where they would meet loveland who just by the skin of their teeth got by Dakota Ridge 20 to 14 and then in the championship game the Loveland Red Wolves ran away with a 42 to 6 win over Palmer Ridge Simon what were your initial reactions to to this tournament and uh I guess what what do you think of the likes of Montrose and uh Ponderosa here the, the, those are two teams that we're not really going to talk about too much. Yeah. Uh, so Ponderosa, uh, let me start with them. They're losing their quarterback, Jack Hannenberg, right? Yes, they are. And I did you do a breakdown on him? I'm trying to think about that. I feel like one of us did a breakdown on him, didn't we? watched his film because he was just outside of our top five quarterbacks of the class of 21. But so, he wasn't an honorable mention, though, so... Oh, wait, we didn't have he, any. He, was, he was an honorable mention. No, we Oh, gave he him, was? Yeah, we gave oh, him honorable okay. mention status. That, see, it's like over so a that's year, where, I don't, yeah, I don't that, mean any We've broken down but, how many players by this point, so I'll, I'll forgive you. Just this once. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I... Look, here's the deal. Fountain Fort Carson, they had a fantastic squad last year. Um, you know, obviously led by our boy, Q Jones. And, you know, he's now doing his thing over at, um, is it Princeton, right? Or wait, no. 
Sorry, no, Dartmouth, Dartmouth. I knew it was... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about someone who went to Princeton, though, here in a second. But. Yeah, we will. Um, but anyways, you know, uh, so that that was a really good squad. And, you know, this Fountain Fort Carson team was pretty good, to be honest with you. So for Ponderosa to hang with them, even though they are the higher seed and whatnot, uh, said a lot. But ultimately, they couldn't get it done. Look, I'm just going to be real. Losing Jack Hannenberg, that's kind of a big deal. In this 4A division here in Colorado, you need all the help you could get, to be completely honest with you. Almost, mm, well, yeah, I, I would say almost all of the teams, except for maybe one, I want to say. So all of them, except for one, have a quarterback that has had at least one year of varsity experience, if not, you know, probably more. Like I said, that's the majority of them, right? And so for Ponderosa to not have that, that kind of puts them behind. And I believe they are graduating a couple of skill players, right, Cody? So that kind of puts them in a little bit of a weird spot and whatnot. And so I just don't, uh, I, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to make another deep run. I think last year would have been the best time to do it, if any. Just being completely honest with you. And so I, I don't know. I, I'm sure they'll probably, you know, sneak their way into the playoffs and whatnot. But I'm just not really sold on them. That's kind of just where I'm at with them. Montrose. I mean, you scored 34 points against Dakota Ridge. Which, you know, on paper, if you don't look at the other score, that's pretty solid. 34 points in a playoff game. But also, Dakota Ridge scored like 76 points. And so it makes it kind of look like a basketball game, to be completely honest with you. 76 to 34. But even in a basketball game, that's not a good-looking score. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. So, um, you know, take, take that what you will. Uh, and also, to be completely real with you, Cody... There were a number of 4A teams that I kind of feel like got jipped out of the playoffs. Like they probably should have snuck in there. And we're going to talk but... about some of them too. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of them. But I feel like 4A especially, you had... I don't want to say the wrong teams. But you had a lot of the maybe not as deserving teams make the playoffs. I'll just say that. So, uh, so there you go. Wasn't Skyline? That's the Longmont team, right? Not Sky yeah, Skyline got gypped out of the playoffs. And they should have been in there. There's no excuse for they, that. I don't they know were why. Loveland's closest game all year. Yeah. They I would have to like double overtime, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would have taken them uh, rather than Ponderosa or Montrose, to be completely honest with you. Maybe over Montrose. I don't know about Ponderosa last year with him. Well, Loki, probably, now that I'm looking at this, maybe over Pine Creek as well, putting up a whopping seven points up against Palmer Ridge. Even yeah. then, they weren't like the greatest. Like they're kind of in a rebuilding year anyways. So, I don't know. So, there's it's teams like that that deserve to be in there. And so, you know, it's it's going to be a whole new wave coming up. But uh Cody, what do you think about these uh two teams here though? Yeah, so for Montrose, you know, they're they're losing their top 3 receivers. They're losing uh Tristan Kramer who is their uh lead sack specialist. They're graduating everyone who got a pick. I and I don't know enough about Bridger Kurtz here. I talked about him a little bit on that 3A episode, and they have some guys here, but I don't think it's enough to be a contender. Um, and they also lost a, a first. They lost two All-State guys, one who is a first team and one who is an honorable mention, and uh, Raul Martinez and Colton uh, uh, Brueggemann. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to translate. And yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with Montrose. 
Ponderosa is a team that I can see still making the playoffs because they don't, I wouldn't say they're the most experienced line, but they do have some size kind of in, kind of in the wings here. Um, so maybe through that and if, you know, they have a, a good secondary, but they their secondary was a lot better last year with uh, like Colton Miller, who he did a breakdown on, uh, one of the top DBs in the state of Colorado. And he was also their leading receiver. So um, losing a Colton Miller, losing a Jack Hannenberg, losing a first team All-State guard, uh, that's a lot to recover from, especially when you kind of snuck into the playoffs barely as is, um, is kind of where I was at with Montrose. And I, I don't know. I, I think they were pretty untested on their schedule. Um, any team that, that was good that they faced, they lost to. So. But that's... uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tough, but... um. You know, you hate to see it. You can't you can't hide that way uh, going into this year with the playoffs expanding and whatnot. But uh, Cody, go ahead. Talk about sorry, the, the other playoffs that happened as well. Yeah. So I'm going to just briefly cover this one because there's only one 4A team uh, and we're not going to talk about them too much. But Vista Peak Prep played in the spring 5A playoffs as the three seed. They beat Rangeview 29 to 14 and then they lost to the eventual champions, the far Northeast Warriors, 23 to 16. They are losing... Uh, Braylon Nelson, who is one of the highest rated linemen in the state last year and one of our highest rated linemen as well. And they're also losing, or actually, was he our highest rated lineman? I think he was our highest rated lineman. Yeah, he was number one. (laughs) They're also losing uh, Jadaris Carr, who was electrifying. I did a breakdown on him and he's the one who's going to Princeton. And, you know, I think he's going to do his thing there and be just fine. But I got to be honest with you. You don't just replace a Jadaris car. Um, it's or it's really a – Yeah, you don't replace those guys. You just try and, like, stop, you know, stop the boat from sinking. You just patch it and try and bail the water out uh, when you lose two studs like that. So it's – it's and we'll talk about a similar situation later with Fountain Fort Carson, one of their guys who graduated, but – yeah, it's it's the exact same situation here. I just and with with it being not just like, OK, I got to be honest with you. And we've talked about this multiple times. This spring bracket is just not as strong um, as the fall bracket. So that's kind of all I got to say about that. Uh, do you really have anything else to add on to the Vista Peak thing? Simon? No, we could we could keep keep it going. OK. And last but not least, you had the actual uh, spring 4A playoffs where some 4A teams played in. Uh, You know, you had Falcon, who made it to the semifinals and lost to Thomas Jefferson, 35 to 21, as the four seed. You had Gateway, who was actually the state runners-up as the six seed and lost in the championship to Thomas Jefferson. And you had Centaurus, who is a seven seed and got waxed by Harrison in the first round. I'm going to start off and talk about Centaurus here a little bit you know they are returning their top two receivers in Angus Riker and Nathan Rodriguez and also um, their quarterback Coleman uh, Teasdale he was he was a better runner than he was a passer this last year Uh, he threw a lot of picks he threw six interceptions only two touchdowns so he's going to have to clean up those mistakes if Centaurus wants to stay relevant. He was pretty dynamic on the ground, but he also fumbled the ball eight times. So he's kind of a turnover machine. Um, and, you know, that that's going to have to be cleaned up. Like, 
if you're asking me to take a, a Coleman Teasdale or a Isaac Cisneros, I'm taking an Isaac Cisneros, and he's younger than Coleman is too. So you, you have that, and and he's in 4A too. So like, you know, it, the case just gets weaker and weaker uh, for the Centaurus team, and um, they're they're also losing seven of their top ten tacklers. Um, other than Brian Serrano, who was their leading tackler, he's coming back. But I'm just not sold on on Centaurus, and uh, they have a pretty brutal schedule, from what I remember. Yeah, I um, I mean, you know how I feel. You know how I feel about these, uh, you know, spring league teams. For one A and two A, it was different. I feel like you know you had some actual. Like, well, not actual. You had some quality teams for sure there. Uh, but for spring, I'm just not I'm not buying it. Yeah. Just how I was for 3A. It's how I'm going to feel about 4A. And it's how I'm going to feel about 5A. So no surprises from here on out. So, yeah. Well, uh, go ahead and tell us your opinion on uh, this uh, this Falcon team. You know, uh, what's what's going on with Falcon? Why don't you see them making the playoff or... Do you see them making the playoffs here in 4A? If so, are they there to make any noise? This is kind of your chance to talk about Falcon and some of the com- competition that they have uh, within their new league this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, this episode, 4A, uh, it's going to be coming out. But I believe if you check out Monday's episode, which is episode – shoot, what we decided was – it was uh, 58, right? yes yeah 58 yes. sorry hey it's we're we're trying to pre-record low key so just throw that out there uh but yeah so episode 58 make sure you check that one out i did a pretty much a whole breakdown on the i-25 league going roster by roster looking at it predicting records and all of that great stuff um i'm sure i'm i, I talked about you know potential uh player of the league type of stuff and or player of the league is i don't know if that's a thing or league like all league like players that's yeah, a there's thing league in Colorado, right there's league mvps okay i don't know if the i-25 league is gonna do that well i mean we'll see um because i know cheyenne mountain had a lot of supposed like oh league mvps but i i couldn't really find where they were named league mvp so <laughs> i i was partially wondering if uh Maybe they crowned themselves their own league MVP. So that that's a whole thing. It's Cheyenne Mountain. You know how they get down. So so yeah. But anyways, Falcon. I don't think I don't think they're they're not a contender. If I didn't say that already in that episode, they're just not. Um, at least from what me and Cody have seen when we went to that first playoff game, Falcon versus Kennedy, they're not. I like I want to believe in their coaching staff. I mean, they had a longer offseason. I know they're a new coaching staff, but to be honest with you, you know, if you got hired in the summer and then COVID hit and you didn't play in the fall, and so you had the entire fall and then you had a good amount of the winter, and that that was your play calling, you know, going into the spring season, I'm not exactly blown away, to be completely honest with you, Cody. And I know you weren't either, and neither were the Kennedy coaching staff, if you really want to go there. Should I have said that? Uh oh. 
I'll leave that in. If I leave it in. I don't know. Well, you you could you could uh, you know edit that for me. To be honest, I don't really care. It's it's facts. You know, we could call the plays on the sidelines when you have fans that are able to do that. And I, not that we're just any fans and like you know a bunch of scrubs. But when you it's got like, guys who are doing that, it's like uh, oh okay. It's like well, the remember the Titans playbook, but like they're not as talented as the Titans. <laughs> no, because the remember the Titans playbook is still more exciting than the Falcons. <laughs> it, it just is because they actually passed bro the sunshine sunshine by the way passed a lot more than cam robinette did for the falcon uh, falcons Ugh, i don't like that yeah so i'm just saying i know i know in remember the titans he was like yeah i have five good plays or or wait no i don't know if it was five oh, i should know I think this. He said six it's like my favorite movie of all time. You know, he's like, I have six good plays. Coach, you definitely ran more than six plays. Maybe some of them were like option and RPOs, but that was more than six. I don't know. Someone could go back and count that. Either way, I'm not high on Falcon. I don't think they'll make a deep run. I don't want to say, I don't want to say it will be a surprise if they make the playoffs just because looking at their schedule, I think it's hard to believe that they'll lose more games than win some games just because they do have some raw talent there. Shout out to some of my former students. Um, but I just, I don't know. It's spring ball, right? Uh, I think their best chance of winning state was in the spring of 2021. Yeah. It was in May. Yeah. And that might be their best chance for the next 20 years. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Cody, is that, do you feel different? Like, no. <laughs> okay. That, that was disrespectful, but no, I, I, I do not feel different at all. I do not feel different about the Falcon Falcons. Um, I do want to put some respect on Darius McFarland name. Uh, he a dog. Um, Check out that episode if you want to hear respect on the Falcons. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tune in Monday. Tune in Monday. It, it already came out, Cody. Oh, shoot. Ah! <laughs> Tune into last Monday. Oh, Bro, the TVA is together. coming for you, Cody. <laughs> <It's, yeah. laughs> hey, keep that in, by that the way. In. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely All right. Sued by but anyways, um, the, yeah, I, I don't see Falcon making a deep run. And I got to say the same for Gateway. I don't even know if they make the playoffs. Uh, I will say that they Gateway last year was definitely – or in the spring, I should say – was playing with reckless abandon because no one knew what their future is going to be, both an advantage and a disadvantage, you know. Um, but they were playing like there was no tomorrow. That is unquestionable. And they beat teams that were better than them the the entire playoffs. Uh, yeah. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that George Washington overall is a more talented team than Gateway. I have no doubt in my mind that Harrison is a more talented team than Gateway. And Thomas Jefferson is a more talented team than Gateway. Yet Gateway, you know, beat Harrison, beat Washington – and uh, beat Thomas Jefferson. I know that these are all 3A teams that I'm talking about, Wait, but they're... Gateway didn't beat Thomas Jefferson. I was, or I meant, like, we're close. They were oh, within oh, okay, one, okay. They're yeah. within one point of Thomas Jefferson, uh, being the state runners-up, runner-ups. So while these are 3A teams, these are really strong 3A teams, I think, that normally are better than Gateway as a 4A program. They also lost Eric Covington. I did a breakdown on him, and he was just such a dynamic athlete with a powerful arm. And, you know, he definitely willed Gateway through a lot of these wins and a lot of guys stepped up that, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. They're also their head coach is uh, um, 
<laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it right it's, here. This it's is Coach the Collins. It's Coach Collins. Uh, Coach the, Ernest, Collins, Ernest Collins, formerly former of the UNC Bears. UNC Bears coach. Now, I think Gateway is going to have a stronger defense. I mean, UNC always had a pretty tough defense. Uh, that's just like a Collins thing. He's a defensive guy. However, based off of my time at the University of Northern Colorado, I do not know uh, how successful Collins will be. Apparently, he, he, he went to Gateway, though, and he coached at Gateway, like, before he was ever at UNC. But uh, I don't know. When you lose, like, 73% of your games or whatever it was, it's not exactly a confidence instiller for whatever your next coaching endeavor is. Probably should have just. At UNC, that is. I yeah, mean, at UNC, he was he literally didn't even win 30% of his games. Um, so I'm not sold on on Collins here, and I'm not sold on Gateway. Is where I'm at. I am. I'm you sold are. on Collins, not Gateway. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. I don't think but they're going to do that. But you think Collins can make Gateway a consistent kind of program? Is that what you're saying? I think Collins is the type of guy we need on this level of football. Especially, especially you know, Gateway. Aren't they kind of around Denver, right? Like in that little area? Aurora. Aurora, even better. I, especially in those areas. Those areas need to be uh, developed a lot more and have strong coaching. And Cody, you and I already know some strong coaches that are already there, you know, doing their thing and trying to put in the work both in that Aurora, Denver area. Uh, shout out to Coach Stan over at Denver East and whatnot. And so uh, I I kind of I kind of like it. You know, Coach Collins, um, look, you know, you could talk about the record and all that all you want, but players liked him. He was a good dude. He's, he's definitely a player's coach. Characters. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah. There is no question about that. And, you know, I, I got to hear him speak and talk to him a couple times, and he's a very good dude. That I will say. I will put some respect on that. Also, helping out a lot with that team GPA as well, you know. And so I really like that. I think that will transfer over really well over to Gateway, so it's no surprise he got that job. And Loki, I kind of just think he's a better high school coach than uh than college coach you know um yeah that's just where i'm at i think he's a good dude you know i know people who know him once again shout out to Allie uh and whatnot and so and her dad and so you know i think it's a really good fit and i think he's gonna kind of bring in a new culture that cody you and i have been talking about a lot when it comes to colorado football you need more coaches that you know care a little bit more know what they're doing will coach up good defenses because you know at the end of the day you know maybe he didn't win all those games but he was still a d1 coach and he didn't lose every single game. So obviously there are a couple games there where, you know, he did well enough and maybe you could attribute that to recruiting and whatnot. But, you know, to get recruits as well, you got to you got to put something on paper. Right. And so I like Coach Collins for Gateway. I I think that's a really good fit. Now, I wouldn't watch any of their games this year. I'm just going to be completely honest. I mean, we have five levels of football <laughs> that we got to go through and watch. And Gateway is just not... It's just not one of those teams I want to watch. But going into the future, you know, like uh, maybe even next year or two years from now. Yeah, I'd go watch a gateway game uh, coached by Collins. I think uh, he's someone who could change the culture and whatnot. And he's definitely somebody accredited to do that for UNC in some ways, you know. And so 
I, I like the pickup. I just don't think they're going to do anything. And I honestly don't think we're ever going to get another chance to talk about Coach Collins at Gateway, at least for a minute or at least until they start winning. And so I just wanted to make sure we put aside that time right now and whatnot and, uh, and do that. Is that is that agreeable, Cody? Yeah, I can live with that. Okay. All right. And D- D1, to be fair, too, uh, it, I'm not... I'm not doubting that he can, but I don't know if, if he still has it, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. What um, do you mean? But, <laughs> He's but, a well, I'm just, no, I'm just saying, like, Simon, you went to some of those games. It was a rough, rough. I was at a lot of them. It was a rough few years uh, for, for UNC football. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully being back in his element, maybe, I don't know. I just, I want to see it. I want to see it. I don't doubt that it can happen, but I want to see it first. Anyways, so <laughs> I think that actually does it for our recap here. And coming up next, we're going to talk about our first tier of contenders. What to do, Playmakers Corner fans? Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to be talking about <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of teams here, you know, who are maybe um, I, I wouldn't say they're contenders, but they're definitely playoff teams, I would say. And there's some interesting teams here. Uh, I think they're just missing a couple parts too many, not even one, like maybe multiple. And so that's kind of where we're at with that. Right, Cody? Yes. But they're making the playoffs. Oh, I, they should make the playoffs. They, all surprised. these teams should definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, I just – and, you know, they might upset one of these contenders we'll talk about later here. Uh, so we just want to put them on your radar. I feel like they're worth talking about. Like like we've been saying, there's a lot of teams on this 4A level that is pretty solid, you know. Um, you could probably make a solid, you know, like – argument for their contention and whatnot but at the end of the day you kind of got to get picky here and so this is kind of our first tier of playoff teams and then we'll go from there but uh let me kick this off uh, right here in colorado springs talking about pine creek high school the pine creek eagles uh so last year you know they lost a couple players i think the player that they are gonna miss the most and cody you should definitely agree with this is uh bo frailer you know, he is yes, a safety over at Iowa State, you know, so he's going to be joining Miles Purchase. Uh, Iowa State, by the way, going to be a really exciting team watching this year. Just going to be real with you. So there you go. Um, and he also played wide receiver and was just in general one of their best athletes. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. Was a beast, you know, on defense. Um, he was big enough to play linebacker. So they're they're losing a, probably their most versatile uh, athlete in in a while uh, with a bow. He's one of the last of that, you know, of those dominant, like super dominant Pine Creek teams from a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, there you go. That's 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 definitely tough. Um, but they are losing Brandon Murdoch. That's another All-State guy. Um, honorable mention. Uh, but other than that, you know, they had a really young team last year. Started a solid amount of uh, lower classmen, so sophomores. Uh, had a couple juniors on that team as well, and so this team in general, it was just very, just very young, you know. And then going into, you know, the 
the the season and COVID being a thing, it didn't really benefit them in any way. You know, this year is going to be a rebuilding year anyways. And for it to be rushed, that's kind of a shame. You know, they didn't get as many games as they probably wanted to. Uh, but they still, they competed. You know, they had some pretty close games here. All right, whatever. They had some pretty close games here. I know they had, they had a like a three-game stretch where they literally lost by like a score and so uh oh here it is so uh it kind of started with legend lost 21 to 20 regis jesuit lost 17 to 14 so really a two game stretch i don't know why i said three and so that that's that's tough and then they had they had uh their the rivalry game and this is a rivalry game that has been building the last couple years here in the springs but palmer ridge versus pine creek arguably you know the battle of the uh two powerhouses here in the springs and uh that wasn't a close game at all <laughs> palmer ridge won 32 to 7 in the playoffs it was over at monument wait no i don't know why it says neutral i'm pretty sure it was that monument but i don't know max preps you know how it is and so all together kind of a tough season i mean regular season they ended up two and two lost those close games against legend and regis jesuit so this is definitely a team that is better than what their records say and better than you know their performance against palmer ridge cody would you agree on that yeah absolutely uh i i do want to mention that you know they they have some they have some decent size coming up with the likes of uh tristan randall 6'2 280 pounds i'm pretty sure he's a tackle there and you know, they, they, they have some guys on offense who are coming back. And this is a program that has been very successful in the past few years. Just going back to 2018, you know, they they were the number one seed in the playoffs. They lost in the quarterfinals to, to Skyline, who we've talked about, who who's had some good athletes in the past. So, you know, you have that. And then they actually were the state champs in 4A in 2019. So, you know, they're not that far removed from from being the top dog. Obviously, COVID kind of makes things difficult. They are losing, you know, Bo Frailer there. And they were kind of in, they were a very young team, like Simon mentioned. But they have some guys stepping up this year who I think could seriously make some noise. You know, they have that second team All-State, uh, Braden Kramer, who, you know, ran for, or caught, my bad, for 200 yards and two TDs as a wide receiver. He's a big body uh, who also plays on the defensive line. They also have uh, Gavin Wetzel, who's coming back, who is the leading tackler, as well as their starting quarterback, Josiah Roy, who, you know, it, he didn't knock anyone on their sh on their butts, but 661 yards and six TDs to four picks against th this competition that included the likes of a legend secondary that we've covered, you know, with, um, oh my goodness, Jackson Muma, who is our number one rated safety last year, and they apparently have another safety there, uh who who we've been told to keep our eyes on who's who might make an appearance on our top five list this year and then palmer ridge you know they had a stacked secondary uh this last year and obviously you know they have maulers on that front line o on all three levels palmer ridge is a heck of a defense so you know facing some seriously stiff competition and only a walking away with four picks and six tds i'd say that's a win um for for josiah roy here and nothing to be discouraged about um, that, and then on the defensive side, they also have Brett Alvey, who's coming back and nine of their top 10 tacklers are returning. So I think that, you know, they are losing Bo Frailer, but what they're losing in that elite talent on the back end and also at the receiver position a little bit, just with the freak athlete that he was, 
they're gaining in chemistry and you know they still have those disciplined tacklers who you can rely on to to crash down and make some plays in the trenches and on the second level yeah no absolutely it's hard to imagine this pine creek team having another down year uh just being completely honest with you and maybe that's just because I'm from the Springs and I'm used to them dominating all the time. I just can't see it. You know, I really just can't. And so they're definitely going to be a playoff team this year. We'll say that. And, you know, they kind of have an interesting... Well, okay, sorry. Before I go into the playoff schedule, uh, they do kind of have kind of have an interesting roster, um, you know, roster setup right now. They have a lot of young players. And so the, their class of 23 and 24 is about to be huge. But there's a lot of players there that could contribute. I got to shout out my Pine Creek a Big 3 that I talked about and did breakdowns on on all of the same episodes. So quarterback Cameron Cooper, uh, I believe he's going to be a freshman this year, uh, like six foot 205. He's a great dual threat quarterback. He's someone that you need to keep an eye on because – um look i'm just gonna be honest with you if josiah roy can't get it done and i think he will like i'd be kind of surprised if he you know couldn't get it done but you just gotta know if josiah roy can't get it done i could see a scenario where pine creek's like okay let's get our young guy in here and just you know get him experience for this season so that he's ready for next year and we could start winning again next year and so cam cooper in my opinion is definitely that could step in there and you know and make it happen for them really you know he could throw he could pass he's worked on his mechanics a lot doesn't have that hitch anymore and so um honestly he's somebody who could potentially be you know that quarterback of the future for pine creek uh potentially be a four-year starter so there you go uh, obviously they have justice nicholson kind of a shorter guy i believe he's only like i think he's only uh five 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 he's shorter than me so there you go um five five or so kind of light but he's super shifty really fast you know he's been working with team full gorilla a lot been working a lot of those receiving plays uh he sent us a good amount of those receiving just over this offseason and he looks really good i think he's somebody who you gotta you know you gotta give him some carries or you know some some snaps on offense this year i <clears throat> Look, just honestly, I don't know who else they're going to give snaps and carries to. And so you might as well get him in there. I think he's a very talented back. If they're concerned about his size, I understand that. But at this point, you know, it is what it is. Just throw him in there and see what happens. You know, I think he could be somebody at the very least. He's a very good slot receiver. He could be uh, pretty deadly in there. And so that's someone that you could have in there. And then last but not least, you got Ramon Pacheco, wide receiver. I think he's going to be a sophomore this year as well he's a very clean route runner and you know he has some clean moves he has some good hands i would be surprised if he didn't get varsity snaps this year now if he gets jv snaps that's not a bad thing not by any means but i think with where pine creek is at uh ramon pacheco might be their best receiver right now um he's been putting in a lot of work once again with team full gorilla and so I think he's somebody who could low-key come in and be that dude. Teams don't know him yet. They know him from Team Full Gorilla more than anything. Um, but I think he's somebody that could finally come in here and, you know, really make some noise happen. Last year on JV and uh, the freshman team, he, he made a lot of noise. So I think uh, this is a pretty natural step here. I just, I mean, you're losing Bo Frailer, who is a great receiver. Why not have Ramon Pacheco? He's not the same receiver, but he's a little bit more polished, you know, more of a Devontae Smith type. 
uh, I think is what I said. So, so yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they started this big three of underclassmen sooner than later if their schedule is not going the way they want it to. Um, and let, do you want to talk about their schedule, Cody, uh, real quick? Or Yeah, I, I just want to say that their schedule, um, RPI-wise, is intense. Um, it, they're facing off against a team that we're going to talk next in Pueblo West, who I think is going to be good this year. Denver East, you know, they actually upset the number one seed Denver South in the 5A spring playoffs. And uh, we actually got to see some of these athletes work out. Um, one of their quarterbacks is a really strong arm, and they have some really clean receivers as well. And they have a couple of offers, too, uh, to schools, one in New England, I believe, and one in uh, California uh, per, per player. So Denver East, you know, they have some talent, so it's not going to be, you know, a breeze through game there, uh, but a, a potentially winnable game, you know. And then Vista Ridge, which is obviously <laughs> like, you know, well, we'll talk more about Vista Ridge later, but that's a tough game. Discovery Canyon, you know, <laughs> Discovery Canyon is either going to like lose every single game this year because they're facing a lot of good teams or they're going to go 500 and they're just going to alternate who's which good teams week they ruin um, is kind of how I see that. Then they got Chatfield, who's eh, kind of, you know, not been as as good as their program history um, no. it would indicate in the past few years. Then you got a legend, which is always a pretty strong team, you know, probably a 5A playoff team here uh, in legend. Douglas County High School as well, who there's a couple of uh, I think there's a three star guy. Uh, over there at Douglas County High School. Yeah, uh, Antoine Jackson Jr. He's the highest-rated yeah. uh, quarterback in this class from Colorado. He, we're, We'll talk about them next week when we talk 5A, but he's going to be a problem. Uh, if anything, he might be... Uh, <laughs> I mean, outside of Braden Dorman for Vista Ridge, obviously, he might be uh, one of their biggest problems uh, that they face up against because you know i mean you never know Braden dorman i know uh, at least this is what we hear cody is uh working on his scrambling ability but antoine jackson actually can scramble <laughs> as as in like as in like he does it pretty well and throw the ball and spin it and so going up against a do with that's never easy you know i think this is kind of uh th their defense has to have it together by this game or it could get ugly yeah and then you have chaparral they should be able to handle chaparral uh regis regis is always a tough game um no matter who you're playing they, they play a lot of 5a teams basically which helps out their rpi significantly and then they have doherty to end the year so like <laughs> yeah um, yeah they have doherty what to do end you the mean year. cody you know exactly what i mean bro say it <laughs> bro they're trash there is that what you wanted me to say maybe i'll maybe i'll expand later but you well, you already know 5a so you know it yeah, won't and be they're still gonna so. they're still gonna whoop up on them. So, anyways, and if they um, don't, that's a that's a well, really big red flag. Yeah, I was about to say this is a team that they might they, not whoop they, up on Doherty, To be honest with you, if they, they can, I don't know. It depends on where they're at in the season. But Doherty is a must-win game here at the end of the season because they might be a team that makes the playoffs like at five hundred. Like they might sneak in as the last seed with a 500 record. Um, yeah, but, but I, I feel like they, they split some of these really tough games 
um, and, and they walk away with a win against some of these good teams and, and they get in just above 500 and they're super battle tested and ready to go for the playoffs. But they're going to need some people to step up. That's why they're in our first tier of uh, of contenders here. Cody, I'm going to ask you. I know you haven't seen Cam Coop's film yet, but if Josiah Roy, let's just say this, if he drops, not just him, but this Pine Creek team, if they don't win, I don't know. I'm looking at these first five games versus Pueblo West, Denver East, Vista Ridge, DCC, uh, and Chatfield. We might see Cam Coop against Discovery Canyon. Is that fair? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, they're not going to put him up against Justice Lalu and Vista Ridge. So <laughs> that'd be horrible. But yeah, I, okay. I just wanted to ask you, because uh, I think Josiah Roy is a good player. <sighs> Solid but, doesn't make you into the playoffs in, at the 4A level. Yeah, they need to beat Pueblo West and Denver East almost. That Yes, they need to. But you mind if I transition here and talk about their week one opponent? Sure, go ahead. Pueblo West is no pushover. All right, I'm going to just lay that down right now. This offensive line is huge. So they have a two-star interior offensive lineman in Vladimir Dabovich, who's 6'3", 270 pounds, and he's not even their biggest guy. They have a tackle named Brandon Meek, who's 6'1", 290 pounds. They have, I believe, uh, Marshall Stevenson, is also a tackle at 5'10", 270 pounds. And they have some more guards and interior linemen here at 5'10", 230, and 6'240". So they are one of the bigger offensive lines, and they have, you know, some decent ratings to to back that up. And I think that this offensive line is going to make everyone else's job on offense a lot easier. And I can see this team causing some serious migraines for... For, for other teams and you know it, a lot of these linemen play both ways too and I think that this defense is actually going to be pretty good I know that they're losing uh your boy Lucas Moran that um you were really excited to do a, a breakdown on and even talked to quite a bit in our dms so you know that they're losing a second team all-state dn there and they're losing you know an all-state honorable mention in uh Philip Sontag and some of their their top tacklers but, uh, and as well as an offensive lineman and Alex Osborne and Dakota New, but they were able to replace like the lineman size-wise pretty well. And also, I've heard some good things out of Pueblo West as far as them being able to coach linemen up. So I don't really have a lot of concerns if these guys are inexperienced because I think that they're going to be coached up well enough to seriously be some maulers and cause some issues on, you know, for for D lines and front sevens even in general. And while they are losing, you know, three of their top five tacklers, they are returning six of their top ten tacklers. So that would lead me to believe that, you know, that they have guys to fill those roles, right? And, you know, they're getting back their entire receiving core. They're getting back their quarterback, Cole Brinkley, who, you know, is is a little bit of a dual threat himself. You know, he completed 51% of his passes and threw – Four TDs to three picks. However, he threw on another – well, I shouldn't say threw on. But he ran for another six touchdowns and 274 yards. And this was in a really shortened season, I might add. Uh, the biggest red flag, I'd say, for Pueblo West is that 
I don't think they were properly tested with last year's schedule, but they got a two-star linebacker in Tyler Cullen. They got a two-star offensive lineman, Vladimir Dabovich. There's not a lot of teams that have even two rated guys, um, you know, just in general and the entire state of Colorado. And, uh, you know, that alone makes me think that they might be able to compete on this for a level pretty adequately, as well as returning, you know, a, a star DB and Lemayne Arrington, as well as uh, Sage Workman, uh, who got two interceptions in four games. So they have a they have pretty decent. Line. They have the ability to kind of fill the gap of some of these linebackers. They have a great secondary as well. They got size on the offensive and defensive line. And, you know, I think that as well as uh, Jeremiah Sanchez, their running back, uh, wasn't too bad himself. You know, he he averaged like 10 yards per carry. Um, and they also have their number two back in Hunter Johnson. I think it's unfair to read their the offensive stats just because they only played four games. But if you break it down per average, they were balling out on the offensive side of the ball this past year. And I think that there's a lot to be excited about uh, for this Pueblo West team, at least based off of some things that we saw last year and some things that we're looking to this year. Oh, and this is the team that didn't make the playoffs last year. So, but don't sleep on them. Si Simon, I, I'm going to give you kind of some time to talk about, um, you know, your boy Lucas Moran and what that means to lose him on the defensive side of the ball, but maybe some things to be excited about for this Pueblo West team. And then I'll let you talk about their schedule too. Yeah, I, I actually have two boys on that squad. Um, well, one is on one left, and then one is coming in. So Lucas Moran, that's a big loss. I okay, look, statistically, I've always said this; it didn't show on paper. Um, but you know, Lucas did a lot of really good things for that Pueblo West team. You know, he kept that pressure on. He had fantastic moves, and you know. He's going to go ahead and do his thing for a CSU Pueblo, and so I'm super happy for him. Um, but for sure, I well, okay, I don't know about for sure, but I really hope, I really hope, you know, fingers crossed, to make it to a CSU Pueblo game, watch him and a bunch of our other players uh, that we've broken down play. And so that's a big loss, but I think they'll be okay. Like you said, Cody, they definitely have some dudes out there. Um, but the other one I kind of want to talk about coming in is Gavin Lockett. Uh, a quarterback slash safety he is and i don't know where he's getting this three star from but i mean i don't it's not that i don't believe him sorry he's a heck of a player um but gavin lockett you know he is a true dual threat i would say athletically as a freshman he might be where cole brinkley was last year or is right now to be just completely honest with you he's explosive he has a effortless throwing motion you know he's somebody who you kind of gotta look out for um but i'm just gonna be real with you i think cole he's gonna be the guy going into this year uh last year there were some flashes for sure this year i think he takes a pretty good step forward you know and um they kind of already have that chemistry i mean you talked about uh the skill position players they're bringing back the thing that kind of stands out to me are, are the running backs that they're bringing back between excuse me oh man between jeremiah sanchez um hunter johnson and all them boys you know uh between sanchez and johnson they each ran for like 380 some yards five touchdowns for sanchez three for johnson and so looking forward to see them coming back receivers they pretty much return everybody well yeah sorry they do return everybody i don't think anybody 
any one of them graduating. So I think that chemistry is going to be real tight. Uh, this this is definitely a sleeper team. We'll just say that. Definitely a sleeper team altogether. But before I leave Gavin Lockett, I'm sure Gavin's going to you know be on the freshman team, JV team, do his thing. But just looking through Gavin's Instagram, I know he is a safety as well and a DB. You know, he is uh, 5'11", 160, 170, so he has good size. Uh, you already know he's athletic and whatnot. And so he is putting in work at DB. Um, he was doing that with Team Full Gorilla. And also, this is kind of another shout-out. I know he's been putting in work with uh, Micah Fleming, or at least Micah has reached out to him and said, hey, if you're in Denver, I got you. Let's get in some work. And so, um, and you know, Micah said he'd help him get on varsity uh, ASAP is what this instagram posts say here and so i don't doubt it i think we could definitely see gavin lockett uh play varsity potentially and be kind of a depth guy on that uh part of that db squad over there uh but also you know and just in case and you know i'm gonna knock on wood here right away but just in case uh, cole gets hurt in any way i think they have a really good freshman quarterback in gavin lockett who could get in there and you know put in a lot of work and you know Obviously, we wish all the best to Cole, but the next three years, I think it's going to be Gavin's team and whatnot, just being completely honest with you, Cody. And so uh, this Pueblo West team, they are going to be sleepers this year, but maybe moving forward, they're going to be a team that you got to look out for. They have a great young quarterback over there who who's dynamic, man. He's he's a good one. He um, He's part of this next uh, wave of great quarterbacks. So that's definitely uh, something to be excited for, for sure. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to see it and see if he contributes to this, uh, you know, maybe this little legion of boom that uh, Pueblo West looks like they're working on and trying to make a part of their brand a little bit uh, in that secondary. So, but I'm going to look ahead a little bit here and take a look at their schedule. Well, okay, actually, I've been looking at it um, quite a bit. But anyways, I think a lot of these teams that they're going against are not as good as they were last year if that makes sense so no except for well even a well, no pine, pine creek is in a is, is in a weird spot so they start off against pine creek but i think yeah. that they they run pueblo county out they run adam city out they probably lose to palmer ridge in in my opinion uh yeah. just from a talent perspective but but i think pueblo west here runs pueblo like i think that's just how it's going to be uh this year at least so sure. I think that they, they take care of business against Pueblo East. Coronado is losing their two leading rushers from last year who combined for like 900 yards and 10 TDs. And, you know, like they're losing quite a bit, uh, Coronado is. And Rampart as well near the end of the schedule. Uh, that's, that's where Kale Cormani just graduated from, right? So... I think between the freak of nature that Kale Cormani was uh, not being there anymore, I think that that's another win. I think that they get a win against Mesa Ridge. Like, I see them losing to, you know, some of these other contenders that we have either ranked side by side by them or ranked ahead of them, being Pine Creek, Palmer Ridge, and FFC here in, in Fountain Fort Carson. And that's those kind aren't of, bad losses either. They're not bad losses. Um and then from there, it just kind of depends on, you know, what what are they going to be doing um, and where are they going to be at? Um, also, the schedule is a little wonky um, to look at, but I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's just one game scheduled at a time here. Um, 
yeah. like the Fountain Park, Carson, Pueblo East. But Simon, you look at the schedule. Uh, you already kind of agreed with me. But do you see, you know, Pueblo rest here probably going, what would that be like? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, and three. That's that's a good seeding in the playoffs. And they have the RPI, I think, to back it up with some of these tougher matchups. No, for sure. Honestly, bro, I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, I'm looking at Brinkley and, you know, his whole backfield. Really, I'm looking at their their entire offense, you know, to be honest with you. Um, They were kind of slept on last year. I think they're still slept on this year, low-key. I think going into this season, they might be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they're a little bit of an unknown because of the lack of their film and, you know, all that great stuff. But low key, here, here's a scenario that I'm trying to put down here. Say they go in. Go, so, uh, wait, this is a home game, right? Yep. So they go in. They go into uh, their home game, um, opening game against Pine Creek. Pine Creek has to come to Pueblo West and they beat him because I feel like that's something that could definitely happen. You know, uh, maybe Pine Creek, they're not who we thought they were and probably west wasn't who we thought they were and they beat him you know i'm not gonna predict scores if they do that obviously they're gonna go ahead and beat Pueblo county adam city pretty easily at that point they are three you know with momentum you know uh, obviously that pine creek game is uh is the big dub but you know going three you know rolling into Mo- or sorry not even monument um palmer ridge is coming to pueblo actually so palmer ridge has to go into your house while you have just went three and zero, ooh, I don't know, man. If this offense is clicking, there this could quickly turn into a shootout. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you, Cody. And you know how I feel about shootouts and whatnot. And I know how you feel about shootouts. It comes down to who has the ball last, right, in the fourth quarter. And so that automatically becomes a toss-up game. But I say, also, I also love this matchup just because of these lines. You might see the two oh, yeah. best lines in all of 4A battling it out on this night. Absolutely. And, you know, you have a lot of skill players and whatnot. Low key, what are we doing uh, that Friday, September 7th, 17th? <laughs> might, we might have to circle it on our calendar. Boy, we might have another game. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But that could be a pivotal game if Pueblo West is rolling in 3-0 and then Palmer Ridge has to come into their house and whatnot. Because if they beat Palmer Ridge... It might be a wrap low-key on the season. They might be rolling, and this could be an, an unstoppable force because they go ahead. I assume they're going to be Pueblo East. I assume they're going to be Coronado, Mesa Ridge, uh, Fruita Monument. And then you have all that momentum going to Fountain Fort Carson. Uh, it is an away game in Fountain on a Thursday night, which don't like that. But, uh, bah, bah, bah. but Colorado football. Yeah, I, I don't know why that's such a good matchup. But anyways, um, oh, here, let me count this up one more time. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You're on an eight-game winning streak going into Fountain on that Thursday night. That's a lot of momentum. And depending on where Fountain Fort Carson is, and we will talk about them um, actually coming up next here. But depending on where they're at, you know, that could be a game that they could, e- I wouldn't say easily win. But they could squeak by, you know, and win. And it's just them riding momentum. And then they go ahead and they could rest starters against Rampart and beat them still. And <laughs> let, let Gavin Lockett throw forward like a 300 yards and run for 100 uh, on them because I think he can. So, you know, uh, there you go. And so I could 
see a scenario where they go undefeated and i kind of feel like it's not like that far off like it all starts with beating pine creek and making a statement and then you just roll it and so really you have three statement games here pine creek you know more or less a 50 50 60 40 game depending on who you are you know uh so you get that one palmer ridge definitely a little bit of a tougher opponent but if you know if you're just at the point where it's like oh we could slay all the giants in our way then you never know even if you drop that though you still go in and you have Pueblo East, coronado mesa ridge and fruta uh that you know you just knock off that's four in a row and you have momentum winning four in a row going into fountain and so i don't know i think worse honestly worst case scenario low-key well worst case scenario they lose all three of those games and they win the rest but i could see them beating pine creek and then that kind of being the domino thing and then they just lose these two to palmer ridge and fountain fort carson um you know in close matchups and then i don't know this could this could low-key be a team that could turn it up real quick here absolutely uh, and i like i like them and that's why that's why they're in our tier of contenders here because this, you know if you if you can contenders. well i'm just saying if you if you show up against a palmer ridge and you show up against fort carson even if you if it's a one score loss you got to feel pretty good about almost anyone else just got to be honest with you you know if you if you go toe to toe with uh, a program like palmer ridge um then you're going to feel pretty good about yourselves for the rest of the season think well we could play with anybody then so absolutely honestly even if they drop pine creek you know they go in and they shock palmer ridge uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh i think you're rolling i mean i don't know man this is a team that could it could be a very exciting team real quick or you know they're who we thought they were from last year and you know they they do what they can yeah that's not as fun a narrative so um let's go ahead and talk about fountain for carson though if you <laughs> if you have nothing else uh, to to contribute here cody or talk about here yeah no i'm i'm ready to talk uh ffc here the the trojans yes sir down here in fountain uh one of the best teams here in the springs actually so uh, yeah let's let's talk about him so Fountain for Carson, I think their biggest story last year, Q Jones, you know, you love the redemption story. You love him going crazy because he really did in a shortened spring season. This dude had like 1,800 yards and like 20 touchdowns in like a season that was almost halved. Right, Cody? Well, I don't know about almost. Maybe two-thirds or something like that. But Q Jones was on another planet of performance and was – our number one rated running back in the state last year for a reason, at least class of 21. Yeah, um, but also almost, almost 2,000 yards, almost 2,000 yards. Oh, yeah. And if it was a full season, he would have been well over 2,000 yards. Yeah, he, he might have shattered like all time records. Um, yeah, which is, you know, a shame. But either way, Q Jones, I mean, I I'm comfortable calling him a generational type of talent. Just. I don't know if they're I'm looking at some of these other backs and I'm like Gavin Sacha I'm just gonna be real I don't know you know I feel like Hugh Jones did a lot the the Gavin slander for uh 5a well it's too late I've already put it out there so you could check out the past episodes when I talked about Gavin in my opinion Q Jones was 
the MVP of Colorado football. And for Fountain, for Carson, maybe even a lot more. Because he was a lot of their offense, dude. And so losing him, I like you said, Cody, uh, shoot, you said this about one of these players. But losing a Q Jones isn't exactly, oh, you said this about Jadarius Carr. Jadarius Carr. Yeah, but losing a Q Jones, you can't replace. You know, you just can't. Unless you find another dude who is just, like, built different which is rare, especially in Southern Colorado, to be completely honest with you. I don't know, you know, and so uh, you can't replace him, but, you know, you could kind of build with what you got. And, you know, I like Coach Novotny. I, I want to say it's Novotny, Jake, Coach Jake out there. Uh, I think I think he's a great coach and whatnot. And, you know, he's done a lot for this program. And so. I'm not as worried about them losing Q Jones as great as a player as he was. And obviously, along with Q, Q Jones, you're losing wideout uh, Malik McClarity, uh, Ricardo Rivera. Uh, wait a second. Elijah Evans is still with the squad, right? Yeah, no, I don't know why my uh, Max Preps hasn't marked as a, a senior in 2021. Uh, that's wrong. But they are losing okay. a lot of All-State linemen is where I that was too. like, Ugh. and um, Jaden Fuller, um, Thomas Schneider, and Ray uh, Salvatore, uh, two of whom were first-team All-State O-line, D-line, and one was All-State All-Honorable Mention. So, like, yikes. Not only are they losing Q Jones, uh, who is the best running back and one of the best runner rushers in Colorado history— they're losing the people who are mowing down linebackers and linemen for him too, so that he can make those big plays. So this next running back is going to have a tall order ahead of him. Yeah, and I don't know if it's fair to put all of that on him because I think it's more of a shared responsibility at this point. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about that. So, you know, uh, let's talk about the offensive side. So the quarterback, he is a junior this year, so class of 23. Uh, he's So quarterback Tavion Tooley. He, in my opinion, just looking through his film, is a, you know, I, I would say he's an athletic dude. I feel like he could run a lot more than he does. He just doesn't. And so maybe they ask him to run more here. I could see that. But as a quarterback, he showed flashes here and there. A lot like the Pueblo West quarterback. I feel like those two are just really, really similar uh, in games. But the difference is that, you know, Tavion obviously obviously has one more year after this. And so he has potential, you know, and also because it's Fountain Fort Carson, he has weapons um, for people who aren't super familiar with uh, the Colorado, you know, sports culture here. Fountain Fort Carson is a huge track school. I feel like they always put up some of the best speedsters in the state. And so, you know, just get a couple of those to play football and you're pretty much set. Um, I mean, is, isn't that right, Cody? You've been here longer than I have, so. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so there you go. You know, um, Q Jones being one of those track stars, one of their more recent track stars. So I'm not, like, concerned about their skill positions on the offensive side, I feel like they're going to find somebody who's going to step up and be, you know, a pretty solid receiver and whatnot. And I'm saying receiver because I think they have a guy at back already in Ty. Oh, my God. I really want to say this right. Uh, but I want to say it's Fave. Fave. I'm trying to emph emphasize that second A in there. I'm just going to call him Ty. He is a fantastic linebacker. I think he's more of a linebacker than running back, but he's going to be a serviceable back 
serviceable back. Uh, I think he's more of a Marshawn Lynch type of guy, while Q Jones is more of like a, you know, like a USC Reggie Bush type of guy. So, <laughs> so there's differences there, but you know, you could still give the dude the ball like 15 to 20 times a game, and he's gonna give you something. And so that's not a bad piece to build off of. Obviously, you're losing the line, but you have skill players here. And so if I'm Tavion, uh, I wouldn't say I'm feeling all the pressure, but I would definitely say he could be the key to the success that Fountain Fort Carson finds this season. He needs to take a step forward, man. He can't have as many interceptions as he had last year. Um, he just can't, you know, and he has to score more, whether he's running it or throwing it. Like I said, there are flashes here. It just comes down to putting it together uh, for Tate or so. Okay, sorry. For Fountain Fort Carson to properly fill the void that Hugh Jones and, you know, Malika McClarity and some of these wide receivers are leaving, um, they got it. Tavion needs to step it up. Ty needs to step it up. And they kind of got to carry that load. And, you know, if they can do that and take a step forward in both of their games, you know, I could see them being a top 10 offense. Is that fair, Cody? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you and I were talking about this before the show, um, that for Fountain to be a legitimate contender, Tavian needs to step it up. Way too many turnovers. Way too many turnovers. And, you know, the, the offense has to pull their weight because looking at this defense, this defense is going to be good. They're going to get their job done. They're returning uh, Darren Powell Jr., uh, who is amongst their, um, you know, like leading edge rushers, and he had three sacks. They're returning Lawrence Walker, who is fourth in tackles, and they're returning their leading uh, sack leader, uh, Javion Fulmore, as well, um, who also had three sacks. So, you know, they have they have these guys who can get pressure on the quarterback. They have that guy in the middle. We Ben knew that their secondary is elite uh, with Curtis Jackson and, um, oh, I always Simon, that other cornerback. Um, Jaden Allen. Yeah, in, in Jaden Allen. Um, so they have two lockdown guys on the outsides. Um, so you're going to, you have secondary, a secondary that can force turnovers. You have pass rushers, you know, that make those turnovers possible by getting to the quarterback. And you have that guy that I think can take care of business over the middle. Um, they're going to have to have some guys step up on defense, but I think that they have, you know, the correct amount of talent in the right amount of places to make it work and to give the offense opportunities but it doesn't matter if Curtis Jackson has five interceptions if you throw 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have got to yes. cut down on those turnovers. And you have to, have to, have to, have to get some sort of points when your defense turns the ball over. Because they're going to force turnovers. And, you know, like, honestly, even if you just keep it out, even if you just don't turn it right back over and you get down the field and you get a field goal, that's going to be the difference between wins and losses for this Fountain Fort Carson team heading into this fall, this fall season. Absolutely. And I think also it's important. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Tavion, you know, it's okay to take a sack. There are a couple of times where he was running around and he threw cross body, you know, obviously because it was partially his highlight reel and, you know, some game film, it worked out. But yeah, there were definitely times where I watched his game film and I'm like, nope, that is not. Nope. That's not the move. Take the sack, you know, run out ah, of bounds. Throw it. Throw it. Throw it out of bounds. You know, even ah. better. So I, you just can't make those mental mistakes. Now, I'm not asking him to be a superstar. He doesn't even have to be a top 10 quarterback, you know, on this uh, 4A level, to be completely honest with you. He, he just needs to manage the game and get them in positions to score. 
you know, because low-key, this defense is probably going to do a lot of scoring. I'm just going to be real. I'm looking at Curtis Jackson and Jaden Allen. Ooh-wee. Both of those guys are dudes, man. They they both might make our top five corners list, and I really wouldn't be that surprised, uh, which is... I don't know. The it's last only happened, uh, like one other time, I think. Well, that's because we've only had one other list. But <laughs> well, no, I meant for one position, bruh. Well, no, it actually happened uh, last year because the last team who had two corners uh, on our top five list was Cherry Creek, and they won oh, state. Right. So, so learn from that, and then obviously we're not asking Tavian to be a Julian Hammond, but. Uh-oh. Don't be a turnover machine. You gotta, he's gotta cut those interceptions in half. No, yeah, I and it's his junior it year. Minimum, so, oh yeah, yeah, it's his junior year. Like, I think next year I might expect a little bit more, uh, depending on what I see this year. But you know, I, I think just, <laughs> and this sucks, but a lot of the success that Fountain Fort Carson might have this season is just gonna depend on him. How well is he gonna play? You know, can he turn it up? Can he get you some scores here? Like. I think if this offense could at least at least score 20 points a game, which I feel like isn't a lot, but if they could score 20 points a game and then, you know, the defense could get an occasional pick six or turnover or whatever here, I could live with that. I could live with that. You know, this could be a really fun team to watch, a really gritty team to watch at that, you know, um, almost almost seattle seahawks like like you know legion of boom not right now obviously because they don't have a dk metcalf but yeah, almost right. seattle seahawks like you know you have a game manager in russ wilson a rookie uh russ wilson and then you have some great corners and you know you have some defense and pass rushers and a great linebacker you know i think a running that, back I might, that can move the chains specifically yes, a marshawn lynch-esque uh running back i think that's kind of if I'm Fountain Fort Carson, if I'm Coach uh, Novotny over there, I'm like, yeah, that's that's who we are. You know, we're we're those underdogs that are gonna upset a lot of teams and whatnot. But to be honest you, with you, Cody, looking at this schedule, I I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of upsetting because I think I favor them in pretty much every game. That yeah, I'm they don't they season. don't have a lot of challenges. I was just looking at it myself. I was like, oh wow, this is a uh, kind of almost a cakewalk. I mean. Almost. Uh, well, let's talk about it. Oh, let's, almost. Go ahead. Almost. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, I'm just going to point this out real quick. You know, in an expanded bracket, Highlands Ranch is almost always a playoff team. Uh, so so you have that. You have Pueblo West near the end here, Coronado, Rampart. Like, you have some of this um, inner kind of competition. Now, Simon, I, I guess you went to Liberty. What, what do you? What's the word on Liberty down there in the Springs? Are they... What are they going to do this year? Are they going to be able to slow down Fountain Fort Carson? Or do you think that Fountain Fort Carson <laughs> probably only... Okay, you just laughed. I'm sorry. So I, you're, look, you're hey, bro. think hey, that bro. they maybe lose like maybe two games this year. Maybe. Liberty has not had a winning season since I was there. That is fact. 2016. Go ahead and check that out. Or wait, no. It might be 2017. You can't spell MVP without a V. And the V stands for Villanos. Yes. Um, I, I mean, this isn't TMI, but I'm still currently within walking distance of Liberty. So I know what they up to, you know, I definitely do, uh, along with Doherty to a degree. Um, they're not going to be found in Fort Carson. They don't have the athletes they do. Um, yeah, they just don't. 
and that's not even talking about their line their line could thrash yeah it's it's gonna get ugly i wouldn't be surprised like honestly i'm just looking at this man like is this a 60 point blowout here well, to be honest, between Whitefield and Liberty, those two games might actually be 60-point blowouts back-to-back. That's a great way to start the season, honestly, yeah. if I'm pounding Fort Carson. Yeah, then you have Chatfield, eh, which I feel yeah. like they should still win. They should still probably blow them out. They yeah, real. they should definitely blow out. Whoa, okay, 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 okay. Let me <laughs> let me relax. I also <laughs> went to Doherty, so, you know. Uh, but also, I don't care because, uh, you know, it's the Springs. But, yeah, they should – I think, personally, I don't think they have the athletes that Doherty does. Um, oh, wait, no, sorry. I don't think Doherty has the athletes <laughs> that Fountain Fort Carson does. 4K, bro. Yeah, honestly, Curtis Jackson and Jaden Allen, I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, okay, they need, like, like a good quarterback to actually challenge them. I don't – I mean, you know, I've looked into their quarterback. He's high, you know, but uh, I don't know if he's good enough to beat a Curtis Jackson and Jaden Allen. If he is, then they, they, they'll win that game. Doherty will win that game, which is a rivalry game, by the way. Um, a good rivalry game at that. So uh, so we'll just have to see about that. Uh, but other than that, you know, Highlands Ranch, like you said, Cody, you talked about them. I kind of still think they five could, uh, you know, they could sneak by them. What? I said 5A school. So I think that, you know, Fountain Fort Carson is more talented than Highlands Ranch, just literally living by the area and seeing some of the athletes. But, um, you know, it's still good for RPI and a good test, I think. You know, going against a 5A school, that's a pretty, you know, average, I'd say. What would you put the possibility of them losing to them, Highlands Ranch? It's uh, Fountain Fort Carson losing? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it's even 10%. Um, I just gotta be real. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess I don't know, quote unquote, the whole story. Um, but Highlands Ranch is kind of an afterthought in 5A football. Plus, I'm pretty sure that these guys might have faced in the playoffs back when Fountain Fort Carson was in 5A. And yeah, I know Highlands Ranch ain't like that. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Well, so you probably beat Highlands Ranch. At that point, you're already 4-0. (laughs) You those know. those are the kids that play football for fun. Oh, good. <laughs> and, so they need to get and, and they out. they love to wear their on the field swag, and then get like fifty yard bombs thrown on them. So nice. Yeah. Okay, well, so it doesn't mean anything. So pretty much, you're looking at a, a pretty a pretty a pretty resounding four and zero. Like there are a number of games here that are not gonna be close. Going to Mesa Ridge, I think you beat them. You beat uh, Fruita Monument. You beat Rampart. And so at that point, you're on a one two. One of those could be uh, a trap game. Which one? Uh, Probably the Fruita one. Probably okay. the Fruita Monument game. It could be a trap game. I'm not saying that they're going to lose, but don't get overconfident, you know, okay. when you're 6-0 and heading there. That's pretty – that's a lot of momentum. I don't know. Honestly, by that point, if Tavion Tooley hasn't figured it out six games into the season – Well, no. <laughs> come on, bro. Like, I, I don't – what am I going to do? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I kind of feel like he will, you know. And so going into that, maybe it's a trap game, maybe not. But either way, I kind of favor them. So possibly going into this Pueblo West game, which will be their biggest opponent here. They would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They would be eight and zero, playing a home game against Pueblo West. Yikes. 
that is not great news for Pueblo West, to be honest with you. And even if they drop it, they go ahead and play Coronado, which I feel like they're better than. And so they're going to win that one. So in a worst case scenario world, they lose two games. Right? Not bad. No, not it's bad not. And you have a lot of potential here. You have a lot of teams that I just feel like they're just better than. And so you're going to get in a lot of snaps for their depth and whatnot. And so, you know, kind of like Pueblo West, they get hot at the right time. And, you know, Tavion Tooley, he feels like he's in his bag and he's swinging and whatnot. Like, you know, forget game manager. He's playing worse teams. So ideally, there should be a couple of three, four touchdown games in here with no turnovers, by the way. And so... Uh, I don't know. Going into the playoffs, bouncing for Carson, you know, they have a great defense. They could stop some of these, uh, you know, big time passers between Braden Dorman and uh, Cola Crew and all them, you know, uh, we get a little dicey. It could it could be a toss up here. And that's when it gets exciting. Am I right or am I wrong? You're right. And this could be this could be a Fountain Fort Carson team that kind of gets over the hump because they're another one of those teams that have kind of got stuffed uh, repeatedly on their way to to a championship run. So. This could be one of those over the hump kind of uh, kind of runs. Well, this is their second game in or second year in four A, isn't it? Yeah, but they played in the playoffs in five A. Oh, and, okay. And would okay. lose in like the second round and stuff like that. So. Okay. Well, you never know. Anything could happen once you get into the playoffs. But I, I would say this schedule is definitely favorable towards fountain fort carson a lot like the pueblo west one and so if that's you know if the time or timelines if the storylines that we are saying come to pass and whatnot we could be looking at a big time showdown between fountain fort carson and pueblo west on that thursday october 21st thursday what yeah whatever (laughs) that doesn't that does not sound right that should be a friday night game who else is playing in the fountain? All right, whatever. Let's let's go on to the next segment. Are you uh, good I was with about that, to say, yeah. Uh, coming up on our next segment, we're gonna check in on the last two teams that faced off in the 4A championship, and uh, one more that didn't even make the playoffs last year, but could be a threat. Coming up next. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are talking 4A football, and we're going to talk in this segment about the teams that were in the 4A championship last fall, starting with the defending champions, your Loveland Red Wolves. And, you know, they are losing quite a bit of talent here when we just jump straight into it. They're losing the 4A player of the year in Zach Rakowski. He was there quarterback slash athlete is kind of how I would put it uh, just because he did run a lot and so they're going to have to replace 1800 yards and 21 touchdowns which you don't just find laying around um, necessarily they also lose some boys up front in first team Allstate Conroy Raymond uh, they lose Aiden Hockle here uh, who, who are both first team Allstate offensive lineman or defensive lineman they also lose uh their leading second leading tackler at, in Jaden Tafoya and they also lose uh all state honorable mention defensive back in Austin uh Beerhouse who had three interceptions and another athlete in Joe Killian now some things that you can like or actually 
I just got to be honest with you, Simon, and and with our listeners. Their line is really not that big. Uh, they do have one guy here, uh, Uziel Ruiz, who's 6'3", 320 pounds here. And after that, there's a, kind of a huge drop-off to uh, Aiden uh, Christensis, I guess is how you'd say it, uh, who's 5'10", 255 pounds. So, and then after that, there's just... They all hover kind of around 200 pounds. Uh, Simon, what do you have to say about, you know, these players that they're losing? Or is there any reason to still be optimistic for this Loveland team before I talk about why I think that they're still going to be a potential threat? Oh, potential threat to go back to back. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I don't think they're going to go back to back. To be honest with you, you know, hey, respect to Zach Grakowski. He's a heck of a player and whatnot. Um... I think Jaden Tafoya as well. Uh, he was their middle linebacker who made a lot of big plays throughout that play uh, playoff run and whatnot. But honestly, man, I just kind of don't like... I'm going to make an enemy of myself. I'll be honest with you. But I, I just don't believe in Loveland. I kind of felt like last year, you know, a little bit of a fluke year, to be completely honest with you. First off, it was a COVID year, so the whole thing already felt like a fluke year. But, you know, they head into that first round of the playoffs, play Broomfield without Cola Crew. That would have been a very different game if Cola Crew was in there, in my opinion. Um, I think a winnable game for Broomfield. Then they barely beat Dakota Ridge. I watched that game. I mean, I I I didn't feel like Loveland was that much better. I feel like they just got the ball at the end there and... You know, each team played a pretty solid game. It just came down to, you know, the last couple plays there. And so for me, that's not enough to convince me. Against Palmer Ridge, I'm, we're going to talk about Palmer Ridge later. But uh, I'll, I'll say they just played a lot better, you know, uh, against Palmer Ridge. Oh, excuse me one sec. I would say they just played a lot better against Palmer Ridge. Um, Palmer Ridge is, was stacked, is still stacked. And there really wasn't any excuse for Palmer Ridge to lose the way they did to Loveland. I wouldn't even say it's that much better coaching. I I, I would just say they just got outplayed. I don't know if, uh, you know, some of those players were checked out. But either way, I don't think that was the best version of the Palmer Ridge team that they could have possibly put out there because um, of the mindset they were in. And, you know, hey, congrats to Loveland. They won it last year. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't think it's in the works this year. I think there are a lot of teams coming back, you know, they have a full off season, you know, they had a full year to get ready, a normal year to get ready. They're going to have a longer regular season. And so, you know, you can't just have a little run here where, you know, the mid season would have been at, uh, or anything like that and expect to win a state championship. And so I'm looking at a lot of these other teams and I'm like, there's no way that Loveland is able to, to beat them. Now I think Loveland is a playoff team and, you know, they get in there and they're probably not one and done. They'll probably beat one opponent in that first round. But after that, I just don't think Loveland has like the firepower, the offensive firepower, I should say, to keep up with a lot of these teams around here. And, you know, I am concerned about their offensive. Well, not just their offensive line, but just their line in general. You know, you have some teams out here who have some big dudes up front. And obviously last year, you know, they showed that size isn't everything. It doesn't always matter, but uh, that's not 
exactly easy to repeat, you know, for a second year in a row. Because eventually the physicality gets to you, the long season gets to you and whatnot. And, you know, you're not as fresh as uh, as you would be during a pretty shortened um, COVID season, which is the equivalent of a regular season, basically. So, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't see it. But Cody, why don't why don't you tell us why, uh, you know, what, what you see in Loveland? Absolutely. So I don't know if you know this, Simon, but Loveland, you know, they've been around the block and they they actually won the 2018 4A playoffs. Uh, also in dominant fashion, they beat Skyline 62 to 14 two years ago. Uh, they were in the playoffs in 2019, and you know that then they won. 42 to 6 against a Palmer Ridge team that by all means was the favorite heading into this game. Um, and, and they just imposed their will onto them. And, you know, something that I, when I think of Loveland, I think of a great defense and they're getting some dudes back on the defensive side of the ball, including the likes of second team, all state linebacker, Ian Loomis, who had over a hundred tackles, including 11 for loss and four sacks. So, He's a dog. I think that, you know, I, I actually think that he's probably better than Jaden Tafoya, in my opinion, um, just especially with his versatility in both the run and the pass game. Plus, you know, what Loveland does is they just blitz the crud out of you. So and a lot of teams have shown that they're not able to beat that. You would think that a team like Palmer Ridge would be able to expose like how to exploit that or something with the weapons that they had, but they weren't even able to do it because they just have the dudes on the outside too, like Tyson Williams, who was a all state honorable mention at cornerback slash like wide receiver. He caught for 386 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had five interceptions on defense. So he's a great athlete. He has great speed and, you know, a, a good vertical to go up and contest those passes. So when you have a lockdown guy, you know, at the corner position and you can trust that the blitz, you know, it, they're complimentary. It's complimentary, right? When you can blitz and your corners can take care of business and you have guys like Luke Penny who are going to be in the quarterback's face every single snap and probably even more so this year. Ian Loomis, who's going to be in the backfield a lot. Hudson Vogaser, who's going to be in the backfield a lot. So you have all those guys in your front seven who can, you know, bring the hammer down. And then on top of that, you have another defensive back here in Ty Young, who's re who's returning and also racked up two interceptions of his own. And so, but between all that, like I think defense wins championships, right? And so this defense is going to be one of the best in the state, 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, in my opinion. Uh, I think that they're just returning all of the right talent back. And, you know... Last year, they actually, you know, I wouldn't say that they were really tested in the regular season that much, but, you know, they delivered in the playoffs and they played a nine game season uh, overall, which is definitely one of the longer ones uh, considering COVID and whatnot. Like they didn't win any games by forfeit or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's a lot to like here. And then I might also add that they are returning a quarterback. You know, this was th this guy was pretty dang good. You know, he completed 63% of his passes, threw four touchdowns, no interceptions, I might add. 
but it's the fact that he could be a dual threat, much like Zach Rakowski. I think that they can get kind of a similar, I guess, output from uh, Garrett Harstead here. Um, And he was only a sophomore last year, completing 63% of his passes. But he also added on another like 650 yards on the ground and another 10 rushing touchdowns. And he's six foot five, 180 pounds. So like he he has a great frame for a quarterback. I think that he's going to take a step forward as a passer this year, which is scary because he was already a solid passer this last year. And so I think that when you look at all that and understand that this coaching staff has been around the block and, you know, they're also returning. Tyson Williams gets it done in the backfield as well. I think that between the experience that they have as well as the defense that they bring and just like their reputation that, you know, they're not going to they're not going to go lying down is the way that I put it. And that's why that they're a contender in my eyes. I mean, all right. I <laughs> like I, I get that. And I know their playoff history and I know what they have done the last couple of years. But um, I don't know. Watching last year, I just wasn't impressed, to be completely honest with you. Uh, in that state game, I was more disappointed in how Palmer Ridge played uh, more than anything to be completely real with you loveland i know they have some good athletes they have some players that do their job i know i know about ian loomis you know and obviously he should be better than Jaden tafoya because you know he's like a lot bigger than Jaden tafoya but um i don't know i just don't know i don't know i i, I just i just don't buy into them you know I, I look at a lot of these other teams who you know are in my opinion maybe equally as strong as a loveland and whatnot on defense and could do all of those things but you know they have a more complicated offense or they have more uh, people to go to on offense than you know just the one guy and whatnot and so you know in my opinion in an ideal world you know when you have an offense that only runs wildcat and you know runs the ball a lot you know at least on these higher levels on these four levels to me it kind of comes off as oh well they can't pass then not really because like four touchdowns no picks that's good but i know plenty of quarterbacks that could throw four touchdowns in a game so there's that as well and i get it that's their system and you know that's kind of how they play their game their game they try to ground you up but you know just to be real i just feel like there are a lot of teams here that you know won't that it just won't work on you know and you know to be a team that just won't work on in my opinion i feel like there are plenty of teams that are more talented than them but you also got to be mentally tough and that's going to separate a lot of these uh teams uh that lose to loveland from the ones that beat them when it counts so i don't know but you know respect to them i know they got some dudes like i said they're a playoff team and they'll probably you know they'll do their little dance and whatnot in the first round and win and you know maybe even the second round they might get one but i just i don't see a return to state though so not right now word <laughs> i don't know um, did you want to go over their schedule oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> i was waiting on that yeah let's let's yeah, uh, let's take a let's quick take a look. look and see um kind of what what they have to look forward to um this fall i don't know why i didn't have it pulled up but anyways i'd say you know this schedule is definitely harder than their one last year but you know i think that 
they they still walk out of this only losing maybe like two or three games. So they open up the season against Thompson Valley. You got to take care of business there. Then they go against Mountain View and well, Loveland runs Loveland. You know, uh, there there's a reason that you know Mountain View is not the team from Loveland and that Loveland is. Uh, just to put that out there. So I think that they continue that streak and and hold on to that crown. Then you have a game against a 5A program in Ralston Valley um, immediately after that on a Thursday night. Oh, good. Um, and then you go back home against Windsor, who always plays these Northern Colorado teams tough. Uh, Windsor is no slouch. You know, that they haven't been you know as successful or made as many appearances in the playoffs i think as they would like obviously however they play all of these northern colorado teams really tough uh so i would not write off this windsor game i think that this could be a potential loss but probably not then they have broomfield which i don't think that they sneak a win away uh with cola crew like you said back in tow and we'll talk a little bit more about broomfield later then you have Monarch, which they should take care of business there. You have Skyline, who is losing a lot of talent uh, this this year. So I, I think that they should take care of business there. And then and the, their last three games are Longmont, Greeley Central, and Grand Junction Central. And really, I think that Loveland has more talent. What? They do have more talent. I wouldn't necessarily uh, cross out Greeley Central just yet. I'm just looking at the roster and uh, knowing what they're, you know, returning. That that might be a trap game. It could be a trap game, but you know, I'm at the uh, I'm at the prove it to me stage with Greeley Central here. I like I love what they're doing out there. Uh, what's was okay? I like what Genoa is doing out there, um, and some of the size that they have in front of them. But you know, I, Loveland should still win this game as of right now. Oh yeah, they sh- they're favored. So I think that you know they probably only lose two games here um, and, and get a good seed in the playoffs. And you know it, it's all about how you're feeling heading in and health. Health obviously matters quite a bit. Um, but we'll see how their line. I think a good test game here is against Ralston Valley, who usually puts some big boys out there on their front line. And uh, I think that'll be a proper test of how this line may hold up in the playoffs i don't know who that team is but anyways um yeah i mean we'll see you know there there are some key games here i think that broomfield game will be a big one uh for me you know i I, it's not gonna make or break their season but uh uh depending on how they play cola crew you know and company that that could be that's probably the biggest indicator to me so that's probably one i have a circle to eventually take a look at maybe look at an old uh stream or whatever whenever that game comes around so so yeah so we'll we'll just have to see but uh all right then i mean i agree they should make the playoffs i don't see more than three losses on this on this uh schedule right now yeah max so and they could they could win every game too i just want to put that out there i think they could win every game yeah no i mean they're definitely like they're not i don't know i think the only game that i look at and i'm like oh yeah that's probably a game that uh 
you know, I, I wouldn't have them favored in as much or even I wouldn't like call it that close of a matchup uh, quite like that would probably be that Broomfield game. Yeah. Um, I think they they have a little bit more than Loveland offensive power wise. And so that kind of gives them more than an edge there, at least in my opinion. Uh, yeah, other no. than that, they're more and talented than these Broomfield other teams. too. It is in Broomfield. But there's there's a universe where they win this game. I, I oh, don't yeah, see absolutely. it. But it, it exists. Um, yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. You but, have anything? Uh, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, if I don't really have anything else. And if you don't have anything else, do you want to fill us in on Loveland's opponent from the state championship game last year and what their season might look like this year? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So Palmer Ridge, um, you know, it's it's about time. We <laughs> we talked about this game a little bit more in depth, that state championship game. I know we did a little reaction to it right after that game and whatnot. Um, still saying McAllister and company, you know, they're some of the best in the state and whatnot. And, you know, still believed that uh, when all was said and done. And so there you go. Uh, but I'm just going to be real with you. Like I said, they shouldn't have lost to Loveland. To be honest, I don't think it should have been that close of a game. When you look at the talent that they have, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and name it off right here. Just players that they have lost, not even the players that they've kept. But, you know, you got Luke McAllister. He's a D1 quarterback, obviously, right now. He actually left CSU and is over at Hutch. Um, I think it's Hutch. Uh, the Juco over in Kansas. And so we're looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing Luke and Sean Kidd play each other. Sean over at Garden City right now. And so that'd be an exciting one. But don't get it twisted. Luke is definitely a D1 guy. So there you go. You have Marcellus Reed. I believe he went to a, a D2 school. I want to say it was a D2 school. It wasn't a Juco. Then you have Caden Dudley. He's at Boise State. So, you know, there you go. You got Cam Jones. I want to say he went to a D2 as well. Originally was going to CSU. Uh, and then I think he switched it up and is going to uh, to another D2. Uh, you have Saxon Wright. He's going to a D2. So, you know, D2 football players, obviously, you still got to be the best at your position, uh, you know, in in your area at least. You know, to be able to go to those type of schools. And so that is definitely enough to win the Colorado for a state championship. But then you throw in their entire offensive line and, you know, shout out to the Monument Moving Company. First off, love the name, love the branding and whatnot. And they're a fantastic line. But, you know, you got Connor Jones, left tackle, just committed to Michigan. Jackson St. Uh, Aubin, Aubin, I want to say, um, I think a week ago from when we're recording this august 19th he just got offered by new mexico so there you go you have alec falk he's a three-star uh right tackle offered by wyoming and so those three guys are all d1 <laughs> they're all potential d1 linemen and if you watch that game loveland was getting way too much pressure on luke McAllister and company luke didn't have a lot of time to throw you know i'm just gonna be real with you and i don't know how you have two d1 tackles a d1 center and that happens i'm just gonna be real with you that there's no world that that should ever happen again and you know everyone has a tough game and so this is their tough game i'll give them that pass for now 
Um, but then you want to talk about other receivers and guys they have. You know, they have Anthony Costanzo. He's a 6'3", 208-pound beast. Um, athlete, I want to say, plays safety and receiver. Just committed to UNLV. Well, not just committed. He did it over the summer. And then you have some solid receivers in KJ Smedley, Casey uh, uh, Fackerel, uh, who are, you know, fantastic athletes. I've been putting in work for Team Full Gorilla um, all, all year, along with uh, Josh Gerlock II. Um, he's a great safety. And then <laughs> Nathaniel Gator Robinson, the running back from that last year. And then Connor Jones, he's another running back from last year as well. And so you have a lot of talent here. All the guys I just listed are probably either going to a D1 or a D2. I don't see any of these guys going to a D3 or NAI. Not that that's a bad thing, but they're talented enough to go to either a D1 or a D2. And so for them to play the way they did to Loveland and lose the way they did, I mean, it's embarrassing, you know? Um, Unacceptable. Oh, it's un- it's completely unacceptable. You should have 3 P or sorry, wait, it would have been 4 P, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Between their 3A and 4A. Yeah, Jeez. I mean, yeah, they you should have four p, and maybe it's because they were getting a little bit too big headed. I kind of had that sense coming in, you know. They had the whole police escort down I twenty five and all that, and you know, so many people were hyping it up and being like, "Oh, Palmer Ridge traveling in style down to Pueblo to go claim their four, fourth straight state championship." That was too much. I'll be real with you. At that point, I'm like, "Oh." They better win it, or this is going to look really bad. And guess what? It looked really bad. And like I said, I don't necessarily blame the players. I know there are some things going on there with the coaching staff and whatnot. Um, I've heard some things. You know, I'm not going to get into that because that's not any of my business. It's a little personal and whatnot. But it's not surprising that they, you know, they lost the way they did to Loveland. Now, Loveland, they're a great team. Well, they're a good team last year and whatnot, um, but they're but Palmer Ridge is an even better team. And so, look, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to give you that pass for that state championship game. And, Cody, you know I don't do that. I don't do that a lot. I don't give teams who should be winning a lot of passes here, you know. Um, but just know if that ever happens again, I'm out. Like, I don't I don't know. Not out on the whole Palmer Ridge program or the coaching staff or whatever, but – there shouldn't be a loss to an opponent like that ever again. You know, if you're going to lose, I'm just going to be real. You shouldn't have any sacks O-line, okay? You shouldn't have any pressures. Your running back should run for more than 20 yards or whatever it was. Like, that's unacceptable. You know, it, it just is. It just is. Oh, and then defense as well. They don't pass the ball, bruh. So what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Your safeties are as big as their linebackers. Are you serious? Get it together. And I think they will. And so this is why I have them as one of my contenders. Low key, I think this is a team that is exactly one piece away. You know, I think they're a quarterback away. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Cody. I tried looking into it, um, you know, seeing who their quarterback is. What I have come up with is that they do have a freshman, Benjamin Ben Noblet. I want to say 
He's been doing a lot of work with the receivers around here. Uh, he's worked out with uh, Matthew Segovia from TCA. They've been putting in a lot of work together, and Segovia is just as good an athlete of, you know, not low-key a little bit better than some of his Palmer Ridge teammates. And so um, Ben has been around here in the Springs, and uh, he uh, shout-out to him. He actually gave me a follow on Inst- or Instagram, on Twitter and whatnot. And so... I know about Ben. He looks like a pretty good quarterback. I know on QB hitless, he is ranked as a dual threat, uh, like not super high, like 50 something in the nation. But regardless, you know, he has some good things to his game. He's kind of a taller uh, quarterback for a freshman. He could run a little bit. He could he could definitely sling the ball. Um, yeah, he could definitely do that. Has great timing on on that and whatnot. And um, and yeah, and so that's the only quarterback that. I have been able to take a closer look at. Other than that, Cody, I have no idea who they're going to start a quarterback. And I don't think they're going to start a freshman, just to be completely honest with you. I think they got to look. I think they're going to. I don't know. I think they have somebody in the wings. They had somebody in the wings learning under McAllister. But I, I don't know. I just haven't seen a lot of film. I've seen scrimmage film. But because it's scrimmage film, I, you don't you're not always able to see the number and the number isn't always like, you know, their official number and whatnot. And so as of right now, I have no idea who Palmer Ridge's quarterback is right now. Um, and that's a big deal because Palmer Ridge, you know, a lot of their success the last I'll just go ahead and say like the last five or six years at this point, you know, has been hinged around having a great quarterback now you know now they are more known i would say for having a fantastic line they've been um churning out some great linemen like i said i connor jones jackson st aubin uh alec falk all those guys are beasts i think they're gonna have a fantastic season i think you know they think about this about that last game of the season that loveland game and you know it lights a fire under them and they're like no never again we're looking to dominate everyone and it doesn't matter who they are or where they're from or what offers they have or whatever we need to make it happen this year and just hit a full and just see what happens and so i'm very high on this offensive line and so i think they're going to help out whoever plays quarterback for them but you know it is important to know that you know the last couple years the last six years basically palmer ridge has had a lot of success depending on who their quarterback is first there was ty evans you know d1 guy uh then it was uh, luke McAllister, another d1 guy now you know um i wouldn't say it's as dependent on the quarterback because you have so many great players there now but it's i mean it's still football it's still high level colorado football so i think you need one and so that'll be interesting to see um moving forward but uh cody i just wanted to ask you you know in your opinion um why is the palmer ridge a contender to you and whatnot you know my thing uh i feel like they're stacked they have a million skill players and linemen that could go ahead and get it done um oh, oh and by the way by the way i really like their head coach shout out to coach mike armantrout um i've heard a lot of good things about him i know uh one of his old assistant coaches dan cashel from his uh Cheyenne mountain days and dan he had a lot of great things to say about mike you know about his character about who he is as a coach as a pe teacher and whatnot and so i'm really happy that uh mike got that opportunity and i think they're gonna turn up but cody go ahead and uh you know say your spill about palmer ridge while you feel like they are you know a contender even after a loss like that from last season yeah so with palmer ridge not okay not only do they have 
you know, Connor Jones, uh, Jackson St. Aubin, and Alec Falk on this line. But, you know, there are other guys, even though, you know, they're not as highly rated or maybe don't have the same caliber of offers, they still have experience and, you know, decent size. Uh, Max Pollock, you know, he, he recorded 18 pancakes last year. Uh, Will, Will Lo, uh, Lotz, I want to say, or Lodes, um, you know, he's 6'1", 260 pounds, and he was on this line last year. So they're almost returning, you know, they're well, they are literally actually returning their entire, like, starting offensive line, which how many schools or programs can say that? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's a great setup for whoever steps in at quarterback. You have the utmost confidence that, you know, A, all of, all of these linemen are dogs, right? Like, they get down for theirs, and, you know, they have, you know, they blocked together, and I think that, you know, they're going to be a lot smarter than – other offensive line units who are going to have to work through some communication and, you know, kind of trial and error stuff is kind of what happens. The chemistry on the offensive line is so important. And one of the least talked about things, I think, especially in high school football and, you know, the chemistry and the familiarity is there for this Palmer Ridge team. Not only that, but whoever steps in at quarterback, not only do they have a great line that they can lean on, but they have two great running backs in Gator Robinson, you know, who ran for, over 400 yards and three TDs, and also their second punch, uh, Connor Cook, who ran for, you know, he averaged, I think it was like seven yards per carry or something like that. So, you know, they get both of those guys on offense to help out. Obviously, Anthony Costanzo, one of the better athletes, one of the highest rated prospects in the state, actually. So with all those skill positions there, it makes whoever steps in at quarterback a lot easier. And, you know, I, I think that that's a pretty strong case for Palmer Ridge here. It's just like you said, the overall talent everywhere is absurd. And the chemistry on the offensive line, they are literally returning every starter from their offensive line. I don't think I've ever seen that. So that's just insane. The only, I worry just a little bit about how they're going to replace some of these defensive players. You already talked about Cameron Jones, who is a second-team All-State um, DN slash tight end. And also, you know, their leading tacklers in Saxon Wright, who we had ranked as our number three quarterback on our li- – or not quarterback. Uh, our number three Quarterback of the li- defense. Yeah, quarterback of the defense. There you go. That's how I should have saved it. Uh, our number three ranked linebacker of the class of 21 in Saxon Wright. And they're also losing Kellen O'Connor, who is their second-leading tackler. So they need a K.J. Smedley – to step up here and they need someone to step up and be that voice the defense be that you know reliable player on defense because i'm pretty sure we talked about it in saxon Wright's breakdown or in our reaction one of the two saxon Wright was like one of the only people who showed up to that loveland game um so you need someone who's gonna it's gonna be hard to i think find someone as reliable as saxon Wright. And to fill that void on the defense. But other than that, I think there's a lot to like here. And uh, Simon, how do you think – well, if you have anything to add, of course, go for it. But how do you think this Palmer Ridge team with an unproven quarterback but with the Monument Moving Company handles this schedule that they have for this fall season? Yeah, for sure. So um, first off, 
I agree. Their defense definitely has some holes here. Uh, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy replacing a Saxon Wright or that O'Connor kid. Um, that's that's a lot of tackles that you are losing. And so um, they're going to have to. I mean, they're not going to have to play a completely different defense, but they, they might have to be a little bit flexible here uh, to work with their strengths, you know. Um, and then also before I head into the schedule, uh, I know I talked about an, the new head coach over there, Coach Armantrout. Mike was already on the coaching staff, by the way. And so he actually brought back virtually the same coaching staff for this next year. So they have all their offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Most of their position coaches are all the same. And so there's a lot of continuity here. Uh, just a different head coach, you know, which arguably could be a lot better for uh this palmer ridge team but anyways going into their schedule here not not exactly the craziest schedule um to be completely honest with you so they open up against pueblo east at home thursday actually uh august 26 7 p.m low-key i might actually be able to go to that game so I, I might actually go check that out um actually whoa wait a second <laughs> when this game when this episode comes out i might have already went to that game so i guess that's too late so, oh man <laughs> uh-oh i didn't realize how time worked yeah and then so probably East, i think i'm pretty sure they beat him quarterback or not you yes what so it's probably east well i don't know you <laughs> never know about this i feel i feel like <sighs> It, okay, I'm just gonna be real with you. Like, I think this thing could get out of hand really fast if you aren't able to find a quarterback and have him calm down going into this season. Because there's, I think there's a lot of pressure on Pomeridge as is um, not just among themselves, but among the community for them to continue their winning ways. And so, if they aren't able to find that guy, I could see them dropping games that they're not supposed to drop pretty easily because it's really hard to win without a competent quarterback or a quarterback that trusts himself. Um, so it's, let's just be real with that. That's that's a very high-pressured position uh, for whoever's stepping into there. So yeah, they beat Pablo East probably. Uh, go ahead, another Thursday game. Another Thursday game uh, to uh, Mesa Ridge. I think they'd beat them. Lewis Palmer, that's a rivalry, but I'm pretty sure they're just more talented. Uh, I know they are more talented, so they beat them on September 10th. Pueblo West talked about them earlier in the season. I think if they don't have a quarterback for the Pueblo West game, they could be in trouble. Uh, this is be- the first real test, I'd say, where you can't just get away with handing the ball off probably like 30 times in a row because of the boys oh. up front over at Pueblo West. No, absolutely not. And you got to keep in mind as well, this Pueblo West team could score as well. You know, returning that entire backfield, and so they gotta they gotta be ready for that one. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that could be a really dangerous game going in. But after that, you know, Lakewood, Montrose, Ponderosa. We talked about Ponderosa just a little bit uh, here and whatnot, and so I still kind of feel like they're just better than them, so they beat them along with Air Academy. Mm, I I'm gonna be honest, Cody. I'm not super familiar with Air Academy. I, get, I know they're look, here in the springs, but like, I just, I don't know. Looking at what some teams did to them uh, last season, I don't feel threatened for Palmer Ridge. Um, okay. I got it. Either. The only team they beat last year was Liberty. And then they got literally like 40 pieced by everyone else. 
Well, Palmer Ridge is better than Liberty, so they. <laughs> so so you have a couple. I, I would say five straight easy games after that Pueblo West uh, game. There, Heritage. You know the deal with that. Heritage. No, I'm saying you said after the Pueblo West game. I mean, they oh, have, oh, oh, my bad. They have well, Montrose and Ponderosa. I think okay. that those those games are going to be slight challenges because, you know, they, they've been around the block. They have the experience, too. Um, okay, and they have sorry. some dudes coming back. All right. So not Heritage. No, Heritage, they're going to. It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's it's not going to be good. If you can't win more than three lousy games with two of the top, like, five prospects in football uh or in colorado football it's probably not a good sign fair enough okay well so after that Pueblo west game though you know um you still have lakewood air academy heritage those are pretty easy games montrose and ponderosa you go ahead and take care of business there so slight challenges i think for a quarterback coming up uh, montrose and ponderosa will be those kind of games where you could Hopefully see some growth there, whether you win those or lose those, because if uh, those are what you say, Cody, I think they could probably drop. They might drop one of those. And then they end the season against Vista Ridge, which I think, depending on how the rest of this season goes, it'll be really interesting to just see what the narrative is going into Vista Ridge, going into town, uh, playing Vista Ridge and whatnot. But that could be a fun one, though. Because, I, I don't know. I know for a fact a lot of college scouts are probably going to that game. I'd be pretty surprised if uh, if they weren't. Because there's a lot of D1 talent in that matchup. But uh, I think it'll be really interesting how that turns out. So I, I'd say worst case scenario, you know, maybe they lose three games. Cody, what do you think about that? I think that's fair. You know, they could. I Well, they definitely lose. They, they don't go undefeated, I think. You know, like, I just don't see them beating a Vista Ridge. I mean, unless their quarterback just, like, it really is that guy. Um, but right from right here, I can't see it. I can't see them beating a Vista Ridge. And then, you know, they probably, they drop one, one game at least to West, Montrose, or Ponderosa. They drop one of those, I think, is, is how that cookie crumbles. Right, yeah. But you still live with that going into the playoffs with oh, uh, yeah. I mean, two or three losses, you know, and you still you have... still make the playoffs, so... Oh, yeah. And this then Palmer anything's R- possible from there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Honestly, this Palmer Ridge team, just looking at them from, like, uh, you know, from the roster uh, top to bottom, they are pretty complete in a lot of places. I'd say they might be one of the more complete teams in the entire state, I would say. You know, they got dudes on every level. Uh, they got some guys who are waiting. They have uh, underclassmen who have been waiting, who know the culture at Palmer Ridge. This isn't a culture that is changing that much. There's still a culture of winning and whatnot. And I would say they're still one of the biggest powerhouses down here in Southern Colorado, arguably running Southern Colorado at this point. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like at this point, even though they did lose to Loveland, that title of being the powerhouse from SoCo, is still theirs until Vista Ridge takes it away. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, looking forward to see some Palmer Ridge games. I They have a lot of really cool storylines going on. This is not the last time we'll talk about them at all. Nope. So, yeah. But, uh, 
Cody, do you want to go ahead and go into our last team of this segment? A really interesting team. We debated this team, actually, uh, just being real. Yes, we sure did, because this is actually uh, another team, kind of like Pueblo West. This is like the first episode where we have teams that didn't make the playoffs, and we're talking about them as, you know, potential, you know, contenders for a state title, and that's Erie High School. And, you know, I, I coached against this team last year, and they're good. Uh, they're And they're really big. They have good size, and they're a very physical football team. Um, and I know, uh, once again, shout out to uh, last episode and uh, Coach Scott Martinson. He does not like these guys, but they always played him tough when he played at Meade and, you know, played those Meade teams tough back when they were in 3A. It was actually their first season in 4A last year, and they went 4-2, and two, I want to say, uh, behind Blake Barnett, who we covered here on the playmakers corner we did a little breakdown on him during like our underclassmen episode and so make sure to check that out if you haven't you know there's some good talent there i don't know what episode number it is but you can find it it's like it's literally called like underclassmen qbs but anyways blake barnett is a heck of an athlete who you know he ran the eerie offense is, is what i'll have to say about that and what, what I mean by that is, you know, he just does what he's asked. You know, he runs all over teams. He's pretty athletic, very shifty guy who also, you know, can just stretch the field too a little bit by running the Erie scheme. I think it's very friendly to his mobility. And so teams key on his mobility, obviously, and then they get burned deep. And then, you know, if they start to back off, he's quick enough to, to run 10 yards at a time, basically. So... You, you have a Blake Barnett returning, and you have some guys in front of him, too. You have a second-team All-State uh, offensive tackle in John Pastor, who is – I want to say he's like 6'5". No, he's 6'6", 270 pounds. So you have a big tackle to protect Blake. I'm pretty sure he plays the weak side usually, so protecting Blake's blind side. And you also have uh, – a Cole Morgan who's 6'5", 250, a Jackson Clancy who's 6'2", 260, a Logan Gilmore, 6'2", 240 pounds, and Alex Baselli, 6'1", 235, Alex Collard, 6'3", 258. They have size, and I think that they – the most important thing is they have depth because I coached, you know, for, for the freshman team, and I was at the varsity game, and, you know, we, we scrimmaged – we played all of their programs, right? And their freshmen were so talented. Like Blake Barnett's class has incredible size. So you have a lot of these guys coming up who, you know, I, I saw them just last year and they were super athletic and super fast and super physical. And a lot of those guys are going to be stepping up and playing varsity this year, I bet. So you, you just have great size on both sides of the ball. Very physical team, which is what you want. Heading into the end of the year, you want a very physical football team, and they're going to knock some people out. I'm not even going to lie. They're going to lay down the wood and, you know, just knock some people out. I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. And in addition, they're returning their leading receiver, uh, Aiden, I want to say Axiger, uh, who, who caught for 237 yards and two TDs and is a six foot three, 220 pound jump ball physical receiver they're also returning andrew nazarenas who's 6'6 230 who's a dn tight end and you know 
obviously was like he stretches the field really well and is just a mismatch for safeties i think especially on those seam routes that you might see a lot this year uh so but simon there's a lot to like here what else do you like about erie or is there anything that may be concerning about this team that didn't make the playoffs last year well they went four and two last year uh i know in league they went two and two in my opinion they probably should have made the playoffs uh if it was a longer season they probably would have made the playoffs so there you go not worried about them i think they're gonna for sure make it back uh but you know they are losing one key player that i really liked that i know you really liked because you did his breakdown um uh, is it mason vive yeah mason vive okay just make it sure mason vive uh obviously he's over at csu right now um so he's gonna go ahead and do his thing over there but man he was a home run hitter at running back he did a lot of things for them and so now that focus for the offense is switching from mason to uh to blake barnett you know the quarterback and i kind of like that change in focus i think mason last year kind of helped blake along as a quarterback didn't put as much pressure on him i think this year after a whole year of varsity snaps you know i think it's his time and uh i know i think the question with us and we're just going to be completely transparent here was you know is blake barnett that dude that could bring them into the playoffs and potentially make a run and my my opinion is that yeah he is that dude um you know he is the guy that Erie has for the next couple of years he's gonna be a four-year starter and I think this is just the next step in his journey as that guy for Erie as their four potential four-year starter I don't think there's any you know freshman coming up that would take his spot and whatnot and so I, I don't know I'm just really high on him I liked I liked his just overall athletic ability from last year his you know ability to run throw the ball obviously as a scrambler he was lethal and whatnot and i think this year i would be really surprised if he didn't take another significant step forward you know having a full off season working with this eerie team working on those mechanics becoming a more lethal passer uh becoming stronger faster all of that great stuff and so i am definitely buying into the blake barnett hype right now um i think he's gonna be a phenomenal player he's somebody who might throw his uh, name in there for you know for a player of the year and whatnot uh, potentially i know there's a lot of talent here so you know it could go to a lot of different guys but you know being a quarterback and whatnot i think he's in a great position to do that and being as talented as he is now say he didn't take those steps forward I think Erie is in a little bit more trouble than uh, we are estimating them to be at, but we're going to be positive here because I, because, you know, he also has like, you know, a six, three tight end, a six, six tight end. Honestly, how could you go wrong throwing to three big bodies like that? You know, unless your name is heritage, that's how you go wrong. But other than that, you, you know, they don't have a guy like Blake Barnett sling the ball either. And I definitely believe much more in this eerie coaching staff than a heritage coaching staff. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely really excited for this. I think, I think at the same time though, they they might not be as stacked as some other teams are at some skill positions like a uh, receiver or corner or, uh, you know, DB or whatever, you know, and I don't know, about the size of their line or the depth of that 
And so there's definitely some questions there. And it kind of just sets it up for, you know, Erie to really just rely on Blake Barnett. You know, uh, in my honest opinion, the way I see it, however well Blake plays is how well Erie will do this season. And I feel like that's a lot of pressure and it's maybe a little unfair. But honestly, I mean, that's I just don't how know. The You're the quarterback. Us. Yeah. We, ju- we just talked about how important the quarterback was for Palmer Ridge. And it's really no different at this 4A level. You have to have someone who can get it done. And I want to just echo your sentiment that if Blake Barn, it- it's all about the progress that he- that he made, right? So if he didn't get better this offseason like if you get the exact same version of Blake Barnett you're not a contender you're a playoff team but you're not a contender I think is where I'm at with that but if he took like actual strides for this offseason which I'm assuming that he did depending on how big those strides are depends on how far you know if if he's strides better that's the next round of the playoffs you know if he's leaps better that's the next round of playoffs. If he's miles better, that's a championship. So it's it's all about how much did Blake Barnett grow? Because there's plenty of tools here. You know, granted they they are looking for some someone to step up. Uh, Caleb Tyson or Thiessen, I'm not sure exactly how that's pronounced. They're looking for him to probably step up and help kind of fill that void that uh, Mason leaves at the running back position, but. Don't get it twisted. This is Blake Barnett's team. So if he wants to win a chip, it it depends squarely on if he improved on those things that we pointed out actually in the underclassmen episode. So if, if he improved on those things and and overall is just trusted more by the coaching staff and can do more for this team and continue to put points on the board, you have a legitimate sleeper in Erie winning it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and put a number on it. If Blake Barnett could average mm, 150 passing yards, 50 plus rushing yards and two to three total touchdowns a game. And then obviously, you know, not. <laughs> all right, don't turn the ball over. Yeah, don't no turnovers. And if you do have a turnover, you should have a touchdown to cancel that out, uh, to be honest with you then I, I'd be pretty high on them. You know, that's a pretty solid playoff team, a team that could be a little unpredictable there. If he could average those numbers, that'd be great. Now, for him to be elite, like this is just my opinion. I don't know if he has the ceiling in him, but for him to be a true dual threat, to be one of the best, not just like, you know, in eerie history, but in Colorado history, because I'm sure he wants to be one of those guys. You know, he wants to be the guy uh, that... You know, people talk about him and be like, oh, you know, this next player is the next Blake Barnett and whatnot. I think uh, for him to do that realistically, uh, he'd have to be like a 250 plus passing uh, guy and 100 plus rushing yards um, a game type of guy for him to get there. And so that's just kind of how I see things. Now, as a sophomore, I wouldn't put past him having maybe one of those games this season, you know, and that could affect his averages. But we'll just see, you know. Um, if they, if he could do that, then yeah, th- next year for sure, there's no doubt that they are, you know, one of the best contenders in the state and, you know, a team that could, that could really make a deep run and potentially win it all, potentially be the pick to win it all, you know, but you know, one step at a time, um, I'm here for the journey and so are you Cody. So it'll be really fun to watch. 
You want to look at their schedule? I was just about to say, how does their schedule prepare them for the playoffs? Okay. One sec. (laughs) Okay, I I haven't pulled up. up. Okay, I got it. Okay. Alright. I don't think that there's a lot of challenges. There's some teams teams on here. I think it starts off pretty slow. Um, Yeah. Longmont might be an interesting game, though, because they have that boy, Keegan Patterson, over there at quarterback, right? Yes, they do. I know he threw more picks than touchdowns last year, but uh, experience is an experience, right? So, Lots so, yeah, of yards. I, yeah, no, for sure. So Hinkley, Pueblo East, Bear Creek, feel like those are all games they should win. Um, they should win. But I, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they dropped one of these three games. I don't know. I, I don't know. It just might be a fluke type of deal. You know, Longmont, I think that'll be a really fun QB battle to watch. Skyline, they're really not the same team. Um, so they should win. Silver Creek, they should beat. Bryden isn't the same team from last year, unfortunately. I think that's a team they beat. Uh, Cody, how do you feel about Erie versus Greeley West Part 2 on October 14th? Is that a game that you will be at? I'd I'd love to definitely make it out to a Greeley West game sometime this year. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I know know that, uh, you know, I I coached the freshman team last year. And, you know, there's – we lost some running backs, or I guess they. I'm not – on the staff anymore uh mutual mutual because i moved lamau we're going to clarify that i didn't get fired from my first coaching job but anyways um they graduated some running backs so there's definitely some holes to fill on this uh on this greeley team but you know they're a team that always runs for like six yards per carry basically and i don't think it's going to go the same as last year um to say quarterback also left by the way cody i don't know if you yes i know yeah, Johnny is in Nebraska now. So, but you know, I I coached I coached some QBs on that freshman okay. level, and honestly, I think that uh, my boy Omar, you know, I he he's in competition right now, and he's got some maturing to do. Uh, sh- love you, Omar, but I gotta be real with you. Um, you know, just some just some growing up to do. But honestly, super athletic, very smart quarterback, uh, who I think. You know, kid, you know, play the role of the, of the Greeley West quarterback. They don't really ask you to do too much at the QP position other than not throw interceptions. And uh, Omar can do exactly that and uh, was, you know, a great fire. And, you know, even if he doesn't make it on the field as a QB this year, I feel like he's too good of an athlete to just leave off the field. So and they also have this one this one guy, uh, David Lopez, as a freshman, he was like, six four like 180 pounds i want to say maybe and just a a great athlete who is super fast and showed good hands uh so we like him at the tight end or wide receiver position and he's probably going to start playing both ways as a linebacker because he's very physical so you know another year a lot of experience it was a pretty young team last year i'd say and you know it's not going to go the same i'm going to just say that it won't go the same this year so are you saying this is a trap game for Erie? I'm saying it won't go the same. 
That's all right. So they so they beat Greeley West and they <laughs> and then they go on uh, and they go to Broomfield. They have Broomfield at home, actually. Uh, so I think I have Broomfield winning. I would. Uh, yeah, I have Broomfield winning. <laughs> yeah, no, Broomfield. We'll talk more about Broomfield later. And there's no shame in losing that game. I think that it's a good test and a good indicator on if you're actually a, a state contender. If you can hang with Broomfield and you know keep it within one score, then you actually have a chance to win the championship. If if they put a whooping on you, then maybe you're a one and done team. So oh, one and done. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um. I'm, but I, I mean, mean I'm saying if Broomfield that... puts like 50 points on Erie and they score like 21 or 28 points uh, right before playoffs, right before Windsor, right before Windsor, who they lost to last year, uh, that's not a good look. If if they get blown out by Broomfield, they they lose to Windsor too, I think. I think it'll have like a domino effect and you don't want to head into the playoffs on a two-game lose streak like that. Yeah, that's no. all I'm saying. So you better take this game very seriously if you're Erie. And if, you know, like I said, if you lose by even like 10 points, I'd say in, in the right way, of course, not like you score a bunch of garbage time points. I mean, if you lose this game and it's a close game, you go into the fourth quarter and you lose by 10 points, you can leave the stadium and not be like, you know, oh, no, we're fake. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we put up a good yeah. fight against this team. And we could put up a good fight for the state title. But yeah. if they put it to you, you're going to have to do some soul searching. And you don't want to be doing soul searching two weeks before playoffs. Yeah, there ain't no time for that. You got to be ready. You got to be battle ready. So, yeah. So, Broomfield, I, I would say wins that game. But depending on how Erie potentially loses or competes and wins that game, because that could be another option. That would um, that'd be a pretty big indicator, not only, and I think that's a huge momentum swing, you know, because up until you know up until this game, you have eight games that are like, yeah, you know, you got some you got some teams, but not like a, you know, not like a strong playoff team. No powerhouses. Definitely until not. Until that game. Yeah, definitely not. And so, Roomfield, that's a big one, and then Windsor. <laughs> Windsor always plays pretty physical and low-key I kind of feel like they match up with Erie really well and so that could be a dangerous game as well um you want to end the season you know with a dub always I would say but against Windsor that would be a pretty huge momentum swing if they could get that dub even if regardless of whether they win or lose at Broomfield that's a pretty big momentum swing and so I think that's something you want rather than you know dropping one or winning one versus broomfield and then even if you do win against broomfield you go into windsor and you get whooped like they just they run that triple option and you know they hit you and they play great defense and you lose that game and basically you're going to the playoffs after getting you know hand your 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 butts handed to you uh in the last game of the season i that's not a position you want to be in yeah absolutely not absolutely so, not so yeah so, so a little a little stacked at the end here which could i don't know i feel like could really swing the season one way or the other in pretty intense ways i would say more than some other teams but uh not not the worst you know 
I would say those first eight games, I mean, in the perfect world, you go eight and no, right? I I think realistically though, they probably go six and two. Yeah. And yeah. Six and one or so, seven, one, six and two around that range. They probably lose one of those games. And then you go into Broomfield, Windsor and, you know, things are decided in those games. So, yeah. All together, a pretty exciting team. I I think it's always a really cool storyline when you have the story of oh the quarterback hero that's like you know gotta carry the team. Now it's not all on him, you know they have some dudes over there, but you know how far they go depends on Blake Barnett. We'll just say that, uh, which is also why they're not I guess rated higher as a contender. So yeah, and uh, th- this is true. And Simon, if you don't have anything else to say about Erie. Uh, let's give the people what they've been waiting for and talk about our top contenders in the next segment and our pick for champion. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're back at it talking about our contenders. So these are uh, teams that, Cody, you and I believe are for sure. Well, I, okay. I wouldn't say for sure. But one of these three teams is going to be in the state championship game. Is that fair to say, Cody? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> God damn. Maybe so even are, two of these teams, I think. Oh, so two of these three could potentially be in there. That's a pretty risky I would, uh, I prediction. I would not be surprised. I would not be Depending on how the bracket is formed, but two of these teams could pretty easily be in the championship against each other. That's just how I feel. Well, knowing Colorado and their ability to make exciting matchups, they'll probably put them all on the same side of the bracket. So, so yeah. But anyways, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the first team here. A, a team, Cody, you and I, have a lot of belief in we like what they're building there we like all their coaches we like their players we've talked to a lot of their players and you know it's it's about time you know it's about time and i'm talking about dakota ridge um they haven't been to a state championship game i, I don't want to say at all but in the last couple of years they've been one game short and about a score short as well of making it there but don't get it twisted this is a talented team Unfortunately, though, you know, last year uh, they are losing kind of a lot of players. And so I think that's important to talk about first before talking about the future here. So uh, let's go ahead and get into that. So Justin, it's rough. Yeah, just a straight list it off. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about where they're at and all that. But Ben Goldtick, I'm pretty sure he's over at a D2 right now. He's uh, He was the quarterback for Dakota Ridge. I'm pretty sure he was a multi-year starter as well. So two or three years under his belt. Uh, Charlie Offerdahl, he's doing his thing with CU. Actually getting a lot of snaps with CU uh, is what I'm hearing at running back. And so super excited for him. He's been working really hard in Boulder uh, these last couple months. You have Spencer Hardy. um, Oh, my God. Monster of a defensive lineman. The Aaron Donald of Colorado, potentially, um, who uh, went to a D2. (laughs) But still, still a beast, still a beast. Uh, undervalued, undervalued. Extremely, he should have went listen to a D1. To the, yeah, listen to the uh, 
top five 21 defensive lineman episode and you'll understand yeah if unc was paying attention he uh, damn it he could have been a guy that's a sentence that we say too often anyways yes but anyways uh another guy that unc could have gotten colin stir at inside linebacker uh he went to a d2 and then they have a lineman kaden uh arastia i want to say he i want to say he was a starter as an offensive lineman and so just to go over the damage you're losing all your passing yards the majority of your passing yards i should say you're losing a huge chunk of your rushing yards um and i'm pretty sure charlie was the interception leader so there you go but you're losing your sack leader you're losing your tackles leader and you're losing one of your linemen and cody you know this size it's everything on this level you even if you just have it for depth that's really important and so you know you, you may be wondering so why are we talking about them on this segment and maybe not on one of the more previous ones? Well, here's the deal. You know, they have a lot of, I would say, elite skill position talent. You know, we haven't released these interviews yet, but we will. Um, but we did interview two of their players, Dante Capolongo. He plays cornerback and he will be playing wide receiver this year. At least that's what he told us. And then Noah Triplett, he played running back last year. Uh, he was the other part of that great rushing offense. Now I think he's looking to step forward into more of a workhorse type of role here. And so those two guys, you know, I kind of think, I don't know if Noah's going to play on the defensive side. I think he will. I'd be kind of surprised if he wouldn't. Uh, you know, it's always good to have speed. But these two guys are arguably the fastest dudes in Colorado. They're also track stars as well, you know, and so... They did the thing during the track season and whatnot. Pretty sure they actually broke, not not just them, but them and a couple other guys uh, broke the record for the 4x100 uh, in Dakota Ridge history, actually, uh, during the track season. So congrats to them and whatnot. But these two dudes are extremely explosive. They're fast. I have a hard time just looking at any other team in the state and being like, oh, yeah, you know, here here are two guys that could match their speed. Because I just don't think that is possible. You know, with Dante, I honestly think he's a shutdown type of corner. As a receiver, you've seen what he could kind of do and whatnot there already. Uh, you know, catching some passes here and there. I think he's going to be really exciting, super hard to guard, to be honest with you, just because of how fast he is and explosive. He is an electrifying player, so he's somebody to look out for. Uh, potential forward player of the year candidate, defensive player of the year candidate as well. You have Noah Triplett, a lot of the same thing. I don't know which one of these two is faster than the other, but either way, they're both electrifying um, athletes. No triplet, obviously on the offensive side of the ball. Oh my God! Obviously on the offensive side of the ball, you know, did his thing. Whether he's running it, catching it, you know, he just creates in space. He makes a lot of things happen out of nothing. If you give him a crease, he's out of there, you know. And I think that's a very fair to say. Moving into this workhorse role, he's looking to put up a lot of numbers, you know. That's with or without a line, to be honest with you, Cody, because you know Dakota Ridge hasn't had the strongest line. I would say uh, in the last, uh, well, just really at any time, um, but they find ways to coach around that. That's the big thing. And so that's why 
partially I'm not concerned about them losing that lineman as well. And so they, you know, they find a lot of creative ways doing that, having a bunch of screens and arounds, different like creative like run plays and option plays and whatnot. They make it happen. They run a pretty complicated offense over there. Uh, or at least they can. And so those two guys are going to be an absolute problem. Uh, I'd be surprised if either of them didn't crack 1,000 rushing or receiving yards uh, on the offensive side of the ball this next season. I think that's actually something that they could break pretty easily here, uh, just being completely honest with you. Oh, and by the way, Dante, he's a senior. Noah, only a junior. So uh, keep that in mind. And then last but not least, Cody, this is the guy that I feel like the whole state of Colorado well, maybe not the whole state, but the majority of Colorado is kind of sleeping on an Adam Graves, their quarterback. He has sat behind Ben Goldtig for basically his entire high school career leading up into this year, his senior season. I've been able to see some film. I know he's been working with Team 4 Gorilla. Man, does he have a cannon on his arm. I think he has the potential to to, to be a little bit better than Ben as in he could make more throws than Ben, dissect the defense a little bit better, and be more of a pocket passer uh, rather than Ben, who, you know, he could pass the ball, but he could also run the ball pretty well here. And so I'm looking at Adam Graves, and I'm like, all right, man, this is a dude that not a lot of teams are talking about, not a lot of players and, you know, news outlets are talking about, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just exploded and had a fantastic season and started racking up those scholarship offers Cody, what do you think about not only these three players I just talked about, but this Dakota Ridge squad? Yeah, so, well, I got to expand on another aspect that we haven't really talked about too much, but is special teams and Dante or Noah are threats to take any punt or kick return to the house. So when you have something as explosive as that, uh, they can that can swing games entirely uh, just based off of momentum or just I mean, how, it stinks, right? When you, you score, you put in a long drive on offense, right? You come away with a field goal or a touchdown, you kick off the ball and you're immediately back on the field because Dante Capolengo just Capolengo, ugh, pardon me, tripping over my words, but Dante just housed it on you because he can run circles around your entire team. So that's something that, you know, is, is frustrating for players and coaches alike uh, when you allow one back on special teams. And it's just going to be a fact of life that Dakota Ridge is going to have multiple kicker punt returns taken to the house this year. That's like multiple. So and that's something that they've kind of always had. And. You know, when you break it down that way, if you win in special teams, then you only have to win in one more aspect of the game. So and, and then you won two thirds of the game. That should be enough to secure a win. So that's that's huge for Dakota Ridge. It makes the game a lot easier for them and a lot harder on their opponents that they kind of always have to be on edge. And that's another thing that you have to game plan for. And it's like if you're playing preventative, you know, of not allowing a touchdown, they probably get to the 40 yard line anyway. And then short drives are great. For, for this offense that can, you know, go 60 yards on one run or one pass. You're you're more the Adam Graves expert, so I won't jump too much into that, but you know, six foot four, two hundred and ten, that's a great frame. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Ben was we kind of talked about this. Ben was a pretty solid game manager, 
And so if Adam Graves is, is a guy who can take over, then you have a significantly improved offense, at least from a quarterback play perspective. And that that's huge, especially when you have deep threats that can go down the sidelines. And if you could really push it down the field and down those sidelines and keep defenses on their heels, then that opens up more opportunities for Noah Triplett to do his thing. And another thing about Dakota Ridge is just the way that they run the program that gets me excited. They are losing quite a bit, but you know, they've always had, or at least these past few years, they've had a stiff defense. They've had a running back by committee thing where, I mean, Spencer Hardy was getting some handoffs occasionally, you know, these past couple of years. So they're super creative in their play calling, especially in the run game. I think that's one reason why you don't have to worry about their offensive line not being the biggest is because they just scheme it very well for multiple players in different play styles to succeed and always keeping defenses on their heels with their ability to call so many running plays in such a variety. Not only that, but you get a guy like Adam Graves who can run the ball and push the ball down the field. That's just one more thing you have to think about as a defensive coordinator. And I can imagine a lot of late nights for DCs going against this Dakota Ridge team, especially if they get the ball rolling. Now, the case that I do make against them, and you've already talked about it, they're just losing so much talent. And I'd say on the defensive side of the ball is where they are really hurting. They're losing eight of their top 10 tacklers. You already talked about Spencer Hardy, who was one of our higher rated players. You're losing a, uh, you're, you're losing loading who had four sacks. You're losing Steve Ray's and Colin Sturr as well, who we thought was the second best linebacker in the state of Colorado last year. So you lose that much, which by the way, Colin Sturr should also be a D1 guy. Just going to put that out there. He's doing his thing over at Mesa though. But anyways, uh, back on topic. The only concern that I have is I don't know if their defense is even 75% of what it was. And that is just wholeheartedly dominant. And that, I'd say that's the biggest concern. But they are going to get tested for sure on on that defensive. Uh, uh, their, their defense is going to get tested is what I'm trying to say this year. Isn't that right, Simon? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this is also important to keep in mind, man. I mean, Charlie, Spencer, Colin, those are all guys who are fantastic dudes and just great leaders, you know. And so you're losing a lot of that emotional leadership. And, you know, that's that's more of a testament to, you know, who they are as people and how the Dakota Ridge staff has built them up. Uh, how, how they've built their characters and whatnot. And so I think that might have a little bit more of a significant impact uh, moving forward. Cause at this point it's like, all right, well, who's going to be the guy that's going to be like, Hey, enough is enough. We finna go hit somebody, you know, because I mean, you look at that Loveland game, I mean, you know how they play. They're going downhill and whatnot. And uh, to hold them to only 20 points, you know, that squad out there, that's something that, you know, well, Palmer Ridge didn't do that, and they made it to state. So there you go, you know. And so that says a lot more about the character of these players 
than you know some some others and so i think that's important to keep in mind now like you said they have a great program um i have seen some things about their middle school program and their feeder program coming up i like it a lot i'll be honest with you and i like how they uh, manage their freshman team and whatnot as well this is a very well-ran program one day i'm sure we'll you know do a deep dive and look at every level of this dakota ridge program but i'm sure they have somebody coming up who is you know talented enough and whatnot to fill those voids but i'm probably more concerned about the emotional leadership there uh rather than the talent and so we'll just have to see about that but yeah they do have some teams uh i would say very much earlier on in the season that they need to worry about uh after this you know this uh four or five game you know um run here they had kind of have an easier schedule and there's room there for growing and gelling and whatnot but they're gonna have to go through kind of a grinder here these first few games cody do you mind if i talk about it i have it pulled up right here too yeah jump into it all right so august 27th they are not going to be even be in the state of uh colorado they're actually going down to florida which you know you love to see you love to see those out-of-state games they're gonna play first coast high school uh, down in Florida. Cody, did you say they're a 7A team? Yes, yeah, 7A. So, there you go. Now, when it comes down to, like, divisions and uh, states like Florida, it almost doesn't matter what division you're in because you got ballers from pretty much every level that are going D1 anyways. So, at this point, I wouldn't exactly hold that 7A status Um to a higher level i would say it doesn't really mean anything to me and so but either way you know they went four and four last year i would say probably a little bit of a smaller program um just looking at some of the rosters here and whatnot but you know good little game not really a, i don't know i wouldn't say that's exactly a game that you should expect one outcome or the other just because i feel like this team is a little bit of an unknown and so to me I don't know. Maybe it's a toss-up. What do you think, Cody? I mean, we'll see how, how they handle uh, Florida football. This isn't one of the more prestigious programs is what I'll say. Um, you know, they, they went 4-4 four and four last year, and Max Preps doesn't have their stats. You know, I got to be honest. J just side note here. The better your team is, the more accurate your Max Preps is. But anyways. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, the, the, you know, they're going to get introduced to, you know, football from a, a different talent pool. And I think it's going to be a great first test. And, you know, I it's best to get these kind of games out of the way sooner than later. And oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just you don't I'm, want I'm it in the middle of the season. <laughs> well, and the, the way they have it scheduled with Vista Ridge right after this, like. I really hope that they're not getting any jet lag uh, for next week because they will not have time to uh, to be running behind against this Vista Ridge team. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're right, you're right, but um, yeah, no, that's fair. I think that Florida team, uh, it'll be an interesting uh, thing to see. I. I'm just going to go ahead and say they beat him, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I know Florida, they are known for their speedsters, so maybe that's the one place where they have some guys who can match a Dante and Noah. So we'll just have to see about that. The Vista Ridge game, September 3rd, Friday, 7 p.m. in Colorado Springs. 
we will be there cody um actually i believe our whole crew will be there uh so we will cover that game straight up that is arguably one of the biggest games in call in for the season for colorado football period i would say like forget 1a 2a 3a 4 or 5a i think this might be the biggest game during the regular season um in colorado football for this 2021 season i think this is going to be an absolute showdown you know you'll i i could i could kind of see adam graves having a little bit of a coming out party you know we'll talk about vista ridge here soon but there's a there's a good chance that this could be extremely exciting football if you are around the colorado springs area or to be honest with you it don't really matter where you're from if you're a colorado football fan this is a must-watch game uh arguably a lot of talent going head-to-head here you know uh, well at least until vista ridge and palmer ridge potentially play but arguably a lot of talent going going on here this could potentially be a preview to the state championship game yes absolutely this is going to be oh my gosh i'm just getting so excited to put it in the calendar and stuff but anyways if we're going to talk about vista ridge uh here soon don't worry we've been mentioning them quite a bit we they're gonna get their fill but yeah this is this could be a shootout and man i i would love to if i'm gonna go down to colorado springs i'd love to uh leave after watching a shootout and um you know it would be more fulfilling than some games I've watched in the Springs. So um, just throwing that out there, and I'm I'm super stoked for this game. And, it, you know, it's going to be a test for Adam Graves against this, you know, Vista Ridge line. And it's going to be a, a test also for, you know, one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the state and Braden Dorman going against a weathered, seasoned coaching staff like Dakota Ridge. Absolutely, also, man. You hear my dogs. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we haven't released these interviews that I'm, I'm sure we will eventually. Uh, but, you know, Dante, no, I'm, I kind of forget which one said it. But one of them said, oh, yeah, actually, I think it might have been Dante. But I think or uh, never mind. I don't know. One of one them of definitely them. said that we have that Vista Ridge game circled on our calendars, too. So take that as you will but it's looking to be a a football show down here in colorado who runs who what who runs the box state you know who runs the rockies uh almost uh kind of game here very early on in that season and in this season uh you know only the second game for both teams and so that'll be really interesting to see i think as much as it'll be a test for Dakota Ridge, it will be a test for Braden Dorman as well. We kind of saw how he fared against two good corners against Fountain Fort Carson last year because um, they did kind of give him some trouble. But, you know, last year was last year. This year is this year. Things are different. But, you know, there you go. Either way, though, we expect a good game. Uh, but the following week doesn't exactly get easier. Uh, Cody, they play your favorite team, Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, at Bro. home. <laughs> what? I'm gonna fight you through the through the Skype call. <laughs> what, what, what's wrong? I thought you, uh, you know, you, that's they're your boys. Bro, they're a good football team, and it's going to be a good test here for, you know, for both teams involved. I think. Plus, they're a 3A team, too. So, you know, it, but they're facing a strong 3A team. 
in Thomas Jefferson. They're going to have to be ready to go. This secondary is going to have to be on their stuff. And, you know, they're going to have to, I think, be a bit creative on defense to combat the offense and the offensive line for Thomas Jefferson. Fair enough. So we'll just see what happens there. Um, <laughs> I think they then, lose one of these two games for sure, though, between Vista and Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So we'll just have to see. After that, though, they have a pretty easy schedule. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, Rampart, Bryden, they're not the same team, I should say. Bear Creek? Cody, what do you think about they're Bear gonna Creek? They're going to smack Bear Creek. All right. Uh, Stanley Lake, I... They're going to smack them. I'm not familiar with that school. They're going to smack them. Okay. They, okay, They if they don't go undefeated from Rampart down someone is hurt it would be my guess like okay. knock on wood but i think that's what have to happen chatfield they might give them a little run just because it's like kind of a a rivalry game a little bit so you don't want to completely write off chatfield there but it's still a game that you probably should win i think if you're if you're dakota ridge i mean la last year dakota ridge beat him like 50 to zero so they're just they're just not in the same league like what i mean by that is you know dakota ridge is in a league with with bear creek and stanley lake and chatfield but like i don't know a lot of these teams should probably be playing 3a football well you heard it here first so just to kind of predict the record, basically, uh, you know, they might drop one of those Vista Ridge, you know, TJ games. We'll have to see about that. But worst case scenario, is that nine and one? Nine and one. Yes. Or, well, worst worst case scenario, eight and two if they lose to this Florida team or something. Yeah. Well, I guess if you really want to go worst case scenario, they don't win any of these games because everyone gets hurt in that Florida game or something weird like that happens. Knock on wood. Yeah, I just. But uh, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that'd be a very uh, untimely end. <laughs> anyways, we'll just leave it there. But anyways, Dakota Ridge, they have a quarterback. They have two of probably the best skill players on either side of the ball in the state they're looking to repeat oh plus a fantastic coaching staff and whatnot shout out to coach Woj once again they're gonna make some noise here i don't see a universe i don't okay i don't see many universes where, where they are one and done or even two and done in the playoffs do you cody no i think that the biggest strength that dakota ridge has is the coaching staff i think that that's why they're here in this conversation uh, despite having an unproven quarterback and an unproven defense, they're here because we believe in the coaching staff. They've been around the block. You know, it started in 2018 when they snuck into the playoffs as an 11 seed. And then, you know, the past two years in a row, they've made it to the semifinals. And the, I know the coaching staff is hungry and the, the players are hungry. A lot of those players have been here since, you know, things started to turn around and they shaped up. So they, they want to finish the job and and secure a state championship for sure absolutely arguably top two coaching staffs um in the state so there you go but um if that is all though let's uh let's go ahead and move on cody you mind if uh 
Oh, wait. Yeah, do you mind if you take this one since uh, I took the Dakota Ridge one? Yeah, sure. So, speaking of contenders and who else we see competing, I actually had an opportunity to interview the quarterback of this team, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year. They were actually just featured, him and Josh Dunn, I want to say, were featured on Nine News talking about broomfield we've mentioned them as probably a loss on a lot of people's schedule and that's because you know they're super talented cola crew as a sophomore was tearing it up on this for a level and i he didn't get a chance to play in their uh, playoff game last year but he's somebody who can get it done through the air and on the ground too you know he's a pretty physical kind of player i think you know for a quarterback at least and he's got a great frame and a super powerful powerful arm. And I think the best thing about it is that his leading receivers are coming back in Josh Dunn, who, like I mentioned, did the Nine News interview with Cola Crew and also Dom uh, Bustamante. I don't if if I'm saying that wrong, then please correct me. But anyways, you know, who combined for over 700 yards and eight TDs last year. They're, they're ready to go, I think. And you could tell that there is a very strong sense of confidence with Cola Crew and Josh Dunn on Nine News, as they should be, because they are talented. And I think that they have a lot of dudes to get the job done here on this for a level. I think that they were kind of cheated out of a better chance last year. Well, not cheated out, but, you know, just didn't quite get the chance with Cola Crew being hurt. But they, they got some good athletes on this team. And, you know, they are losing, you know, some players on defense, but they're also returning seven of their top 10 tacklers, including uh, Miles Dondelinger, who was their second leading tackler. And four of the five people who had interceptions last year are returning. So I know that they are graduating some talent, but they have a lot of returning talent, in my opinion. I think that's a very strong case for Broomfield to you know, make it to the state championship and even win it. Uh, but it also, you know, most of these teams that we talk about, at least these last two teams, have the best quarterbacks in 4A. And, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the state are, you know, these these last two teams that we're talking about. So you can't go wrong with having a great quarterback and just an overall solid supporting cast. You know, and, you know, their offensive line... There's that is probably the one weakness I could see with this team is they're not the biggest offensive line, but you know when you have the skill players that Broomfield has and the quarterback that Broomfield has and the defense too, you can afford to not have the most dominant offensive line in the state and still put up 35 points a week and you know hold other teams to like 20 points a game pretty easily I'd say. Uh, but Simon, I know that I think it was, you did a breakdown on Hall Edmonds, who was a first team All-State linebacker and also their leading rusher. How much are they going to miss Hall Edmonds and some of these other cats that they did graduate? Cause they did graduate a pretty decent amount of players. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, Hall Edmonds. He was a beast at linebacker. He did his thing and whatnot. Um, they're gonna they're gonna miss him quite a bit. I mean, he was the leader of that defense, and you know he cleaned up a lot of plays. We'll just say that um, he was a very versatile guy. And so, 
it'll be interesting to see what they do to to you know figure that out but they still have some defensive guys around here uh, i think you mentioned him miles dondelinger uh he's a 6'3 195 pound safety second in tackles last year to hall Edmonds, and i kind of see him as the leader of this defense you know super physical safety who could move around you know he could cover he could play zone he could hit he could come up for the run and all that stuff and so i kind of see him maybe maybe taking on some of those uh, responsibilities that hall Edmonds has but uh at his safety position maybe playing a little bit of linebacker you never know and so i'm pretty high on that and then in addition, I have been able to, you know, talk to Josh over DMs. We've talked quite a bit. Uh, I am, we're, well, okay, not just me, but we're probably going to eventually do a breakdown on him. Um, probably, you know, take another look at Cola Crew again. And then this tight end he mentioned, uh, Tristan Caudill. He, in my opinion, is a pretty underrated tight end. He's 6'3" about 190 or so but you know watching his film he could definitely get in there make excellent blocks on the edge and you know as a pass catcher too he's pretty dangerous for somebody who is as tall as he is you know he can move pretty well and so you know cola crew has some he, he has some he has some uh threats out here uh it has some weapons as the quarterback obviously we know what cola crew is about I'm excited to see him develop a little bit more. You know, he is more of a dual threat and whatnot, but I honestly think he could be one of the best cornerbacks in the state. I feel like it's going to be a battle between him and Braden Dorman on who's going to be the best quarterback in the state in this class of 23. Obviously, Braden has all those ratings and whatnot. That's great. But, you know, Cole, I feel like he's a very talented quarterback who could throw it. He could run it. He's a tough runner at that, you know, and so I definitely expect big things from Cole Crew throwing to the likes of a 6'4 Josh Dunn and a 6'3 Tristan Caldwell. I like that a lot. And then, you know, they have a defense with Miles Dondlinger. Um, he's 6'3, like 200. I kind of feel like you could you could build around that. You know, there are some positions that you look at it and it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a good corner and whatnot here or there. But, you know, when you have a 6'3", 200-pound athlete that could cover, that could hit, that could do all these different things, you kind of find a way to uh, build your defense around that. And so I am pretty excited for this Broomfield team. I think their strength will probably be on their offense uh their offense needs to play well as in score at least four touchdowns a game i would say i think that's a pretty you know that's that's pretty uh understandable and realistic you know between uh cola crew and company plus uh, plus plus uh the running back uh don bustamante as well i think he could be a little bit more for them uh in the run game and so i i like this broomfield team you know they're gonna be a tough squad they are long uh, all around at a multiple positions and so you know when you start uh playing some teams that have a lot of 510 receivers and uh you know 510 dbs and whatnot i mean you use that to your advantage right cody absolutely just go out and make a play um i think it's going to be the motto over there at broomfield this year and they're going to do exactly that and really put it to a couple of teams and you know, I think uh, I'm looking at this schedule. And I think that there's a lot of shootouts on the horizon here uh, with this Broomfield team. And I, I'm really excited to see, you know, they, they also get properly tested, I think, this year uh, against a plethora of teams. And uh, you mind yeah. if I kind of talk about their schedule here? 
Yeah, no, go ahead. So they open up against Golden. That's not a test. But anyways, their second week, they go against Longmont. And Longmont's a team that, you know, kind of we kind of also didn't mention slash forgot about because, you know, they were another team that had a winning record last year. And they have that Keegan Patterson quarterback who he actually threw 14 TDs to 11 picks. So still a lot of interceptions, but a lot of touchdowns. He threw for a grip of yards. He was one of the leading passers in yards for the entire state of Colorado last year. So that is a game that, you know, could very quickly turn into, you know, uh, a little 35 to 31 or 35 to 28 game, I'd say. Or, you know, it'll be a great test for the it'll be a great early test, I should say, for the Broomfield defense to uh, make sure that they got, you know, their things in order here and make sure that they're ready to handle, you know, some of the big arms in this state. Wouldn't you agree, Simon? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but even looking at some of these teams and whatnot as well, um, I mean, I still have Broomfield like, you know, they're 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 the favored one. Like, obviously, there are some tests and whatnot against Longmont. Um, that that'd be an interesting one, I would say. But I kind of just look at it and I'm like, mm, but do they have a six four wide receiver? Do they have a six three safety? Do they have another six three a wide receiver? <laughs> the answer is no. So. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting, but uh, I think just the way that this Broomfield schedule is kind of like fleshed out as well. Like you have tests here, but it's like the kind of test where like you low key like you know could use notes on as well if you if you catch my drift. Sure. Do you want me to expand on that? Yeah, like, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think that there's any situation. I don't think there's any real threats on this list, to be completely honest with you. I just don't. You know, I think when you get into shootouts and whatnot, that could always be kind of uh, crazy and whatnot. And I do think they can get into a couple shootouts, but I think this defense will be a little bit better than what we expect and a little bit better than what a lot of teams expect. And so I could definitely see a broomfield going up by 21 points you know and then at that point it's like all right you know oh yeah like, and you like well, what now if you're broomfield too i don't mind being in a shootout if i'm the broomfield coach i really don't i i trust my offense to beat any other offense in the state i really do um that except for maybe one but we'll we'll get to that in a second but anyways you know i think i think that they'll be properly tested and battle hardened for the playoffs you know, I think that there's you you have Longmont, then you have a Loveland, you know, in what is that week week five, then right after that you have Windsor. So you're getting to play against some more physical teams and you know, kind of run that you know, get a get a feel for that physicality and I think that those will be great tone setters for and preparers for like playoff football. But Broomfield has always been a pretty physical school themselves. So, you know, they're not going to back down from these. They, these are still games that they should win, in my opinion. But, you know, I think their challenge is nonetheless. I could see them potentially dropping one of these. Maybe the away game in Windsor. You know, uh, not playing at your home, home turf. But still a very winnable game. But one that they could drop. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit. Not Silver Creek. Because they literally didn't win a single game last year. But anyways... Then they got Brighton, who we've already talked about is not the same. They graduated some serious dogs. 
uh, some serious bulldogs, one might say. But it's and then you have a huge test here two weeks before the season ends in Erie, where, uh, as we know, Cola Crew actually transferred from to Broomfield. Yeah, make it personal. So, you know, I'm sure Erie has that game circled and Broomfield has that game circled. I have no doubt about that. So, but otherwise, Broomfield, they very easily could go undefeated. However, I do see them probably dropping one game against maybe this Erie team or maybe this Windsor team. The away games against some of the tougher teams on their on their schedule. Okay. Um, but even then, only losing one game is still not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not bad. I... Oh, all right, I, I just gotta be real with you, man. I'd be surprised if they lose if they lost any of these games. Um, if they do lose one of these games, it's gonna be by like one touch, one score, I should say. Uh, if they lose by more than one score in any of these games, I'd be extremely surprised. I think I don't know. Like I, I'm, I can't even lie, dude. Like I just don't. <laughs> I I just don't see them like like losing, you know, in the regular season. Now, playoffs could be a little bit different because you have a su- significantly like, you know, tougher uh, opponents obviously because it's the playoffs. But I just just right now looking at the regular season, I would legitimately be surprised if they dropped one versus Windsor or Loveland or or Erie. I know be, we talked about su- Erie, but I mean, we'd be know. surprised, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's completely unexpected if they lose to Erie out of all these teams. No, it's not unexpected. I mean, really, none of it is unexpected, I would say, you know, when it comes to football, because football is football. But uh, I, I would be surprised, though, I would say. Um, I, it could change. You know, it's a long season. This is two months, you know, so we're making preseason predictions at this point. So it could definitely change and whatnot. So, uh, you know what? We'll just have to see. But... I feel good about Broomfield, you know, you know, at worst lose losing one. Yeah. One or two games. At Probably worst. One game. At yeah. worst. At worst. Two. You know, and then you two go into the hard playoffs. sell that they're going to lose two games. But yeah, I, I can't see that. It, it'd have to be another uh, injury situation again, um, just like last year. So we'll just uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. So knock on wood again. But, yeah, other than that, Broomfield, they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. You know, uh, I mean, you look at teams around the league, uh, they just don't have dudes as tall as some of their skill players. They just don't, you know. Um, the guys that are over six foot are linemen. So, you know, take the, that what you will. At least it, uh, the majority. The, this could be the year. This could be the year for Broomfield. Absolutely. I have no doubt about that. I say yeah. it's basically a coin toss between them and the team that we're going to talk about next. So, uh, yeah, Simon, go ahead and tell us about the other offensive threat on the 4A level and our pick to win the 4A state championship this year. Yeah. So Vista Ridge, High school is our pick to win it all this year. 
not even gonna lie when we were doing our research uh through the offseason and whatnot of these different scores i'd say it's pretty even you know dakota ridge broomfield vista ridge <coughs> excuse me they were all kind of there you know and um we kind of felt like they're on the same level and so let me i'll talk about the thing for me that kind of changed it in a minute after i talk about the key players that i'm looking at that really convinced me like oh yeah this is the squad so first things first you can't talk about vista ridge without talking about their quarterback Braden dorman the number nine rated quarterback in the entire country and the highest rated colorado quarterback in the state period the hype is building and it has been building he's been visiting all these different college campuses and you know it's 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 getting there and you know we interviewed Brandon Dorman a really long time ago alongside Cola Crew ironically and so go ahead and check out those two interviews uh they're on the same episode and that'd be a really interesting interview to or pair of interviews to look back on when all is said and done in this season here in this 2021 season and so Brandon Dorman we know what he did last year he's looking to you know kind of improve on that this year you know he's very much a team player a very humble football player and he's looking to you know make a lot of noise you know throw for a lot of touchdowns and you know his goal is to win it all uh obviously he wants to be uh, considered one of the best to ever play in colorado period be in the higher echelon of a uh, colorado football players and so to do that you gotta win a championship and i think this year uh more than any this probably is his best chance and you know outside of Braden Dorman he has a lot of other guys uh you got you can't talk about Braden Dorman without talking about his wide receiver uh Brandon Hills BB Hills who's an actual track star actually took first and long jump in state last year and is one of the fastest and most explosive playmakers uh from last season he was an underclassman so this year he will be a junior so class of 23 uh BB he is a lethal multi-sport athlete in the perfect situation with Braden Dorman to light up this entire state you know he is very difficult to guard he has fantastic hands he's shifty he's fast you know he's a deep threat and so you know uh those two guys are gonna be a problem and going into uh this year we already talked about it uh going into their game against Dakota Ridge that'll probably be a very telling game on how dangerous or well how dangerous exactly this Vista Ridge truly is. And then, you know, they're not all offense. On the defensive side of the ball, they have um, one of the best interior linemen, arguably the guy who can be the number one interior defensive lineman in the state in Justice uh, Laulu, or Laulu, I should say. Sorry, Justice uh, Laulu. Um, he is a 6'4", 295-pound defensive tackle, class of 22. Um, he's on the offensive side of the ball. He's been starting since uh, his freshman year, actually. And he is mo probably more known as a defensive lineman, I would say. He has a couple offers here. I believe, Cody, actually, Eastern Washington offered him over the summer after he made a visit there. Uh for a week like they literally watched this dude for a couple days and then offered him a full ride on the spot and so he is a very imposing dude um i know a lot about this guy uh first things first i have uh, taught some of his family members over at falcon middle school and justice actually went to falcon middle school so i know a lot of his coaches you know they say he's a fun dude to be around he's a great guy but number one he's always been a big dude like 
I know his wrestling coaches. Shout out to Coach Grimaldo. Uh, shout out to Coach. Um, Oh my God, coached to George as well. Uh, they they've coached Justice up, I believe, and you know they said back in the day he had to he had to cut weight to make weight back in seventh grade and eighth grade, and you know so the cutoff point I believe on the middle school level for wrestling was 280 pounds. So he was over 280 pounds, uh, either 280 or 290. But either way, he was over that, and he'd have to cut weight to make it to compete in those wrestling tournaments uh, back in middle school. So imagine this dude carrying all that weight, carrying that height and size all four years of high school and probably part of middle school, dude. Like, oh, man, you don't see many, just many football players in general be getting used to that height and weight and being able to play at that height and weight. And that is a true advantage because when you are able to be used to your size and whatnot, that means you don't have to make as many adjustments year by year. You know, you're working with a lot of the same thing and you're getting better every year. And so that experience is very obvious, you know, you know, he is probably he was considered last year to be pretty raw you know um obviously he's a strong dude but i think he's mostly well known for how fast he could move as well he's a pretty agile dude and so all that combined you know plus some of the camps he went to this last off season where he has you know continued to work on some of those pass rush moves block shedding moves you know he's looking to be uh, one of the biggest beasts in the entire state this year he's gonna wreck a lot of lights even if you have the size to combat justice here that doesn't mean you have the speed to combat him either you know it's gonna he's gonna need to be double teamed every single play you can't have him go 101 or whatnot you know i honestly unless he's going up against you know a premier lineman which on this level and looking at their schedule i don't think there are any like premier lineman like a joshua bates would probably be a good matchup um you have to double team him i don't think you have a choice here and so him alone is a monster and then you look at this uh line as well you know they have a bunch of other linemen on this vista ridge team you know bryce underwood 6'5 315 he's a junior class of 23 uh ahmed alamari 6'4 300 pounds class of 23 austin nash 6'2 220 pounds class of 23 uh caleb warren 6'3 275 class of 23 so a lot of young dudes who are just now being seniors um this is making up for probably one of the most physically imposing lines in the entire state led by a dude in justice who has been known to just thrash offensive lines single-handedly so you imagine that front of five front four on offense and defense that's scary to see and you know for me cody I'm not going to speak too much on this. I'll let you have some of this part. But for me, the thing that really put Vista Ridge over was looking at the running game and being like, mm, they didn't really have a running back last year. Passed the ball a little bit. I wouldn't say too much, but they passed it a lot. But this year, they are getting a fantastic transfer running back. A guy that we've actually met uh, last week, actually, at a, <laughs> at a youth football game, which is ironic, in Dom Nichols transferring from Pomona High School. Cody... What do you think about that transfer? And ultimately, what do you think about this Vista Ridge football team? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about, yeah, Dominic Nichols or just Dom Nichols, who transferred from Pomona. You know, I, I'm not sure what, what the story is behind the transfer. However, Dom averaged over seven yards per carry and was explosive and made a name for himself in a Pomona backfield that 
has routinely churned out talent and was still, you know, working to get those carries and whatnot. And, you know, I think that he's going to have a much better opportunity here as, you know, the go-to guy for, for this Vista Ridge team. And, yeah, I think he just adds a dynamic to to this team that they didn't really have before. You know, I mean, you look at their their rushing stats last year and their lead rusher had 110 yards all season. And and he's graduated too in uh, Kayon Burris, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. But, you know, not really any knock your socks off running game here. And then you get a guy like Don Nichols, you know, 5'11", 175 pounds and, and quick too. So at that rate, it's just a whole new dynamic. And he's a playmaker in in special teams too. You know, they have a bunch of just playmakers everywhere. And, um, you know, he, I don't know. He's, he's just going to add, Simon, I think you said it best when we were talking about it. He's the missing piece, more or less, for for this Vista Ridge team. And uh, as yeah. far as taking that next step and, you know, being dynamic, he's dynamic on both sides of the ball, too. Like, I'd be surprised if they don't also roll him out to that, uh, out at defensive back as well. Yeah, I mean, me neither, you know. They, <laughs> he's just a need- great athlete. Yeah, and they need some help in the secondary. They only had one interception all year last year, which is I mean, I know it was a shortened season, but one interception is not good. I uh, just I don't know a nicer way of saying that. So, you know, they they got to turn up in the secondary and Dom Nichols is going to do that and they got to turn up in the backfield and he's going to do that as well. So, I I think that's huge. He's also, you know, a, a great pass catcher. So that's just one more option for Brayden Dorman to throw to it, which is great on top of Brandon Hills, who you already talked about being a huge speed threat. And on top of Isaiah Garcia and Keyshawn Bridges, Isaiah Garcia being, you know, six foot two, 180 pounds. So that's kind of like, uh, I guess, you know, you call him like the big body receiver and uh, Keyshawn Bridges is also, you know, a, a quicker receiver. So I think that, there's just not going to be – I don't know if there's a secondary in the state that can hang with every single weapon that Vista Ridge has. There's some that could come close and give – you know, Braden, maybe slow down Braden Dorman, but there, I don't think there's a secondary that stops Braden Dorman and this offense. There's just so many weapons everywhere you look, so many yards, so many touchdowns playmakers basically everywhere you look you already talked about this monster line that they have and they're also returning you know a couple of dudes on defense they're actually returning eight of their top 10 tacklers uh including the likes of joseph garnett who is their second leading tackler he's a six foot 220 pound linebacker class of 23 as well you already talked about um and then also aj jordan who's a 6'5", 210-pound like, defensive lineman D-end, who was their leader in sacks last year. So, you, you know, you have this great front line returning. You get Dom Nichols in the secondary. You have Xavier Cisneros, who was your only interception last year, and he's coming back. So they're forming a really solid defense that I think is going to progressively get better as the season goes on. And that's exactly what you want to complement. I mean, look. Braden Dorman and this offense are going to put up probably 30 points every week. Teams are going to have to pass 
to try and keep up. And when they drop back to pass, they have Justice and they have AJ coming at them. They might even have, uh, oh my goodness, they they might even have Garnett coming on a blitz, you know, and as well as, so they drop back and they get just these monsters coming at them. And then they have to throw into a secondary that has Dom Nichols and Xavier Cisneros. So the secondary is going to get better just because of the progress from the front seven. And, you know, it's going to put them in positions to make interceptions and make these uh, these point margins even bigger. Um, I will yeah. talk a little bit about, you know, they do lose some experience on the offensive line in Cameron Fouts, who is huge. He's 6'5", 325 pounds. They're also losing uh, Sam Stowers or Stowers, I think is how you'd say that. And then on top of that, they are losing their lead tackler in Gannon Rowland. And uh, Kayon Burris, who I looked at for, uh, well, we looked at for our top five uh, receivers list. And I know that he was pretty close. I'm pretty sure he was an honorable mention. Yeah, he was. So, you know, there's just. They're also losing Amir Braxton, um, corner and receiver, who's going to Princeton, by the way. That also kudos to I I looked through uh, some of these cats uh, Twitters and a lot of uh, 3.0 plus guys on this team. So remember, education's important. These are uh, good football players with good GPAs. Yeah, in, absolutely. And a handful of these instances, but yeah, Simon, I I already made this claim that no one is going to stop. No one is going to stop Fister Ridge here. Uh, they probably they should have made the playoffs last year, IMO, yeah. and you agree with that. Really, they kind of – they had some in- – I want to talk about their schedule a little bit last year before talking about the one this year. There's sure. some interesting scores here. Obviously, it's a COVID season, so you know we may not have the whole story on here. But you know they kind of got slept by Fountain Fort Carson here. Right, and Q Jones and company. Q Jones and company. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of, I think a good example, not of what's going to happen, but I mean, that's, I think it's proof that this team could be vulnerable, um, slash this defense does have to step up. You can't be allowing someone to score 61 points at, on your home turf. Um, yeah, you just can't be letting that happen. And, you know, the games that they do, the games that they did lose, I should say, the other team scored well over 20. Like, the offense put up 28 points in both of their losses. The defense has got to step it up. Yeah, I and I think that they can. I'm just saying now that the, the defense stepping up or fading away could be the difference between this team winning state and not winning state. Because the defense is just going to be, you know, a, basically a paperweight, then that's when you could see a Broomfield or a Dakota Ridge or some of these other teams that, you know, have explosive offenses, you know, they find ways to keep up slash maybe even, you know, force, even if they force, and I'm not saying that they can, but if they force Vista Ridge to punt once and this defense is a no-show, that's exactly how Vista Ridge would lose any games. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but I mean, I don't think this defense is that bad to be honest with you, uh, 
I mean, they would have had yeah. to take another step forward. Honestly, I think you could look at the offense as well and look at the lack of the run game. Um, it's really hard to control the clock if you can't run the ball. <laughs> it, it just is, you know, like if you can't run the ball, like, oh, well, like, I guess, you know, we just have to stop the clock a million times a game. And that's a million more times that, you know, the t other team could come back. And so, I mean, obviously, when you look at some of the losses, you know, Fountain, Fort Carson, um, they're not going to face another back, another generational type of guy uh, in a Q Jones this season. Uh, the closest they'll get is probably facing off with no triplet and Dante Capolongo at Dakota Ridge, to be completely honest with you. But other than that, they're not going to face another athlete like him until that Dakota Ridge game, um, just being completely honest with you. And so, you know, obviously the defense could have improved and whatnot, but I honestly think the uh, the addition of Dom Nichols, you know, having a guy who can not only run the ball, but he could catch it too. You know, so he's another guy that adds that extra fold of versatility in this Vista Ridge offense, you know. And so I think that's a that's a pretty that's a little bit more important than their defense stepping it up. Obviously, you need a, at least a solid defense to. Excuse me, to at least win it all. But it also helps being able to control the clock. And I think they'll be able to do that so much better here with the Dom Nichols in the backfield, uh, you know, and having this explosive offense. So, you know, that that kind of helps out the defense a little bit more where, you know, you don't have like a million turnovers a game or if the offense isn't completing passes every drive, then, you know, it's just a dud and the clock is stopped and that's even worse. So I, I would say for sure the offense helps out the defense here as well. Yeah, true, true, true. But yeah, but here let's uh let's talk about uh their schedule here. You know, we know this is a very talented team, probably one of the most talented teams in the state. Well, their schedule is sorry, their schedule is not exactly. It's pretty hard. I'm I'm just looking at it right now, and I'm like, this might be one of the toughest schedules in the state. Period. Just to be honest with you, but if any team is gonna you know run run it you know, run, run the schedule and, uh, you know, run the table here. I think it would be Vista Ridge. And so, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this started, Cody, but they start off with a home game in Colorado Springs against Windsor, August 27th, uh, Friday, 7 PM. So, you know, that's where the controlling of the clock thing kind of comes in. Windsor, they like to run the ball and whatnot. I could see a scenario where Vista Ridge gets up by a lot. At that point, they need to be able to control the clock. If they can't do that against Windsor, uh-oh. You know, you're giving Windsor way too many chances there. And so that's a, that's a big one. Also, you know, if the if Justice and company goes, goes ahead and wrecks that Windsor offensive line and, you know, stops them from scoring, that's fantastic too. But nonetheless, that's a that's not exactly an easy win, you know. That one could go, I don't know. That 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 one could be a little bit of a trap game. Is that is that too much? Is that too much, Cody? What, what do you think about that first game with Windsor? Oh no, your first game can be a trap game. And look, Vista Ridge, they know that they're being hyped up. You know, we're not the only ones that know about Vista Ridge. Uh, surprise, surprise, because of the talent that they've had brewing there and the transfers and the size it, like a lot of people and Braden Dorman, you know, every, if you're in Colorado football, you know, Braden Dorman, right? So they could come into this first game, maybe a little too confident, 
and they might have to recover if Windsor comes out and just punches them in the mouth. You know, uh, I think it's going to be a good, a good gut and physical check for Visteridge to get Windsor fresh out of the gate. I really like that a lot, actually. Uh, Visteridge scheduling too. that. Yeah, no, I do too. I, I like their schedule in general, to be honest with you. But Windsor, not really a given. They're, you already know, regardless, they're a team that's ready to hit. You know, they're going to hit Vista Ridge as hard as they can on August 27th. So there you go. Doesn't get easier, though, because they automatically they stay at home, though. But Dakota Ridge comes to them. We talked about this game a little bit more here. Um, look, this this might actually have to come down to a shootout. Uh, but that might not be the only thing. There could be a lot of things that happen in this game, to be honest. It's just a super unpredictable because you have so much talent on both sides of the ball. You know, you got to think, is this Vista Ridge line led by Justice? Are they going to be able to get pressure on Adam Graves? Or is this defense going to be able to adjust to the many different adjustments and the multiple offense that Dakota Ridge runs, you know? Because that's kind of a, that's difficult. If you're not on the same page, Dakota Ridge could get some easy scores on them before they even open up their playbook. And so... I don't think that's a game that you want to get away from too much. That will be more of a test on the defense more than anything, I would say. But also offensively, uh, if you're Braden Dorman and company, you got a pretty solid defense. They're always well coached. You know that that you're going up against that you got to figure out. And, you know, you can't you can't make bad decisions here. This is a game that you need to be on point. Um, so, yeah, Cody, I, I, we'll just go back and forth, to be honest. I mean, do you have anything to add to that, Cody? I mean, I really don't. I th- th- just looking at the schedule in general, they are going to be tested so many times by teams that maybe you know either have the talent or they have the coaching or they have the experience. And so for them to run this, like they almost have like a postseason schedule to start the season. You know what I'm saying? Between Absolutely. between starting off with Windsor and then Dakota Ridge, like that is, oh my goodness, that that's that's a huge game and it may be a preview uh, of the championship, this Dakota yeah. Ridge game. So I wouldn't be surprised there. We talked about Pine Creek earlier in this episode too. I'm gonna just kind of jump into there. They're not a team to be taken lightly. They're experienced. They're well coached, and you know they kind of don't they do not get a break with these first three games. And then I think that their schedule kind of lightens up here in the middle. Uh, pretty, I, It lightens I, up quite a bit in the middle. I wouldn't write off Falcon quite yet. I, I think everyone assumes a Vista Ridge should beat him. They definitely but, uh, should. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just saying, you know, it does come down to ball control and whatnot. And so, uh, and playing your best game. They should beat Falcon. Falcon, if, I think they will. But also, I definitely see a scenario, you know, you have a new coaching staff over at Falcon. And obviously, this is what very well known, Vista Ridge and Falcon share a lot of football players. Justice uh, originally was actually supposed to go to Falcon because he went to Falcon Middle School. And then the Skyview Middle School kids are supposed to go to Vista Ridge. But instead, you have Falcon Middle School kids going to Vista Ridge instead. And so there's definitely a rivalry here. If I'm the Falcon coaching staff... I look at this game and I'm like, yo, if we could even get close within striking distance of this team, when all is said and done, that could low-key kind of be a big win when it comes to, all right, you know, which kids could we pull to Falcon or which kids are going to leave for Vista Ridge. And so I wouldn't exactly write that off just yet. Um, so we'll see, you know, not 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 exactly a giveaway. 
So there you go. But it does get easier though after that. Well, we'll see, we'll see if this Falcon game is or isn't a giveaway. I'm still not convinced on Falcon putting up a fight. I think Justice should have 10 tackles for loss at the end of this game alone. Um, I just don't see anyone on this Falcon line really competing with Justice and AJ at the same time. But, you know, maybe maybe a different motivation. Maybe if the coaching staff adds one more play, you know, to their playbook, uh, their really big playbook, then uh, maybe Falcon can figure something out. But, you know, I, I think they should get a win here. And then they pretty easily go on a win streak all the way through Air Academy and probably through Montrose, even though it does start to get it does start to stiffen up here at the end just a little bit. Well, yeah, they played Palmer Ridge as their last game. That's not... Yeah, Montrose, Ponderosa, and then Palmer Ridge. So they start the season against playoff teams. They're ending the season against playoff teams. Um, Contenders at that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We... As as we've talked about, we... Well, we didn't talk about Windsor, but we've put some respect on their name throughout this episode. Dakota Ridge is literally in this same segment as one of our favorites to to win pine creek we talked about earlier this episode montrose we mentioned in the first segment ponderosa we referenced in the first segment and palmer ridge we referenced in the last segment and lots of size that all of these teams are going to test vista ridge differently and really test out their versatility and the ways that they want to win you know i think that they're gonna have to win in a variety of ways against these different teams and these different builds and if they're able to come out of this, which I think is very possible for them to go undefeated, uh, I see them probably dropping one game, though. Probably dropping one game here. But, yeah, I can I, 45-55, 45% that they go undefeated, in my opinion, 55 they don't. It's pretty yeah. close. It Like, it's not the worst thing if you lose this Dakota Ridge game in week two. It's not the worst thing if you lose the Palmer Ridge game at the end of the season. It's not great, but those are probably the two games that they could lose. Um, But I think that they only lose one of them. I don't think they lose both. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised if they... Not that surprised, but a little surprised if they lost both. Um, But ultimately, though, here's the deal, though. If they go undefeated here... They're def and you know they're healthy going into the playoffs. They are more than ready for whatever the playoffs will bring. I would think. Um, if they were to go undefeated, I would definitely pick them to win it all. Um, pretty well. I'm already doing it right now, but I'd be more sure in my pick for them to win it all, just because. I mean, shoot, you do that in the regular season, run the table and the uh, playoffs and whatnot, win it all. I'm gonna be real, man. That's uh. A Joe Burrow-esque uh, season, to be honest with you, playing all these teams, all these challenges, and, and playing more challenges in the playoffs and then coming out on top. It could be due for a Joe Burrow-esque season, you know, just uh, dominant all around and playing a bunch of different teams. Like you said, Cody, will challenge you in a bunch of different ways. This could go down as potentially one of the greatest seasons of all time uh, by any single uh, team. So so there you go. They are in a dogfight with Broomfield for that number one seed. And I hope that they get one and two because then that puts them on different sides of the bracket. And how great would it be for Colorado football to have a Cola crew and Broomfield versus Vista, Braden Dorman and Vista Ridge as your 4A championship. Tell me that doesn't get you excited. Tell me that doesn't raise the, 
the hairs on your arm and gives you chills just thinking about the amount of talent that could be on the field at one time and just the game that we would get. I'm like kind of sad that we don't get to see it in the regular season personally. It would be a lot for Mr. Rich if you threw in uh, Broomfield here. Uh, as is, you know, they have a pretty oh, difficult schedule. But uh, yeah, no, no I, sure. I, yeah, but I get you though. Honestly, look. Well, first we should probably answer this question, Cody. Do you think uh, Cola Cruz should be ranked with stars by now? Yes. How many would you give him? I'd give I, him probably at least three. three. Okay, borderline at least four. Three. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, we should, I don't know, we should probably look into that, uh, help him out, but hey man, that would be fantastic, that'd be great, you know, I think if it comes down to that, it could go either way, you know, at that point, the narrative quickly becomes, alright, who's the best quarterback in Colorado, Cola Crew or Braden Dorman? We know Dorman, he has all these offers and whatnot, but Cola Crew, he's been waiting, he's been lurking, he's been working. I think it might be that time. But you know what? We're getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves. Mr. Ridge needs to survive the schedule first, if not dominate the schedule first. Um, and we sure. will definitely they, be – go on. I, I think they have a harder path to the number one seed than Broomfield does. Oh, yeah. I mean they should – if they go undefeated, they should definitely be the one seed. There's no doubt about that, you know. Even if they lost the game, they should definitely be the one seed in my opinion – Right. Well, I I just think that Broomfield probably has an easier chance of going undefeated than. Okay, well, fair enough, fair enough. But either way, we'll see. Um, so we'll for sure be at the Vista Ridge versus the Coda Ridge game. That will be next week when this episode drops. So next Friday, September third, seven p.m. So uh, you know, hey, we'll be there. Hopefully the whole state will be there. It should be a fantastic uh, environment. You know, it'll be super fun. And then low-key, that Vista Ridge-Palmer Ridge game at the end of the season looks very interesting as well. That might be one where uh, maybe not all of us make it, but we send somebody over there. So, you know, a couple games here, a couple games of the week here already, just looking at this Vista Ridge schedule. You know, this is a team, um, even if you can't watch one of these big matchups, it's probably a team that is must-watch football either way. Uh, it's hard to imagine that not at least a couple of these guys, you know, first off, won't be going to D1s. And then after that, that at least one of these guys won't be in the NFL, potentially even. Uh, this is this is definitely the kind of football that's going to put Colorado on the map. And, you know, you might as well be there to witness it in person. So there you go. But, Cody, is there anything else you want to mention as we kind of wrap this up we talked about a lot of teams this 4a level you have a lot of talented teams you have a lot of talent a lot of players that we are probably going to see on our top five uh, seniors list so we're gonna for sure come back to that whenever the time is right but cody do you have anything else to add on before we wrap it up no i i really don't think so i think that uh i think listeners are probably tired of us here uh tired of hearing us talk um so but they should keep coming back anyway. We have that mean, you know, you know what it means. We did one, two, three, and four A. So up next, uh, well, m- there might be some episodes after this one, but our next preview will be five A, and that is going to be the largest can of worms that we're opening for sure. 
Absolutely. Also, speaking of 5A football, uh, today, August 27th, when this uh, episode comes out, we will be at the Fairview Boulder game to see our boy Beckham Critz open up. So quick shout out to them. Uh, if for some reason you finish this episode in one day, which I don't know why you would, uh, unless you're a super fan, that's great. And we appreciate you. Uh, I'd probably watch this over a span of a couple of days. Then, you know, come say hi. We'll be in Boulder. So, yeah. Yes, sir. But that does it for episode 60. Right. I, I'm a little bit, uh, I think I'm more ahead than we are. But that is for episode 60, your 4A football preview. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Make sure that you listen to our 3A, 2A, and 1A previews, as well as the interviews from players of various various conferences and, you know, learning a little bit about Colorado football. There's a lot of talent, and we're super excited. We hope you're excited for this upcoming season. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at either at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner, specifically for Twitter. And for all of your Colorado football high school analysis and needs, I've been your host, Cody Stoffer. I'm the other guy, Simon Voyanos. And uh, peace out, Coach V. <laughs> peace.